On primetime TV, ABC is showing a made-for-TV movie called The Love Tapes, starring Martin Balsam, Marriott Hartley, and Timothy Blake Nelson, star as various clients at a state-of-the-art videotape dating service, and the misadventures they go through while trying to find the right person. And Call Me by Blondie is everyone's favorite song on the radio. Today, we are going back to May 9th, 1980, for just a bit. Hey y'all, welcome to the Wayback Recap, a podcast that obsessively explores all things past from our favorites in TV and film. To McDonald's Boo Buckets, which may, like we maybe, we've talked about this on the show before, but the Boo Buckets were first introduced in 1986, trick-or-treat pails, and were a Happy Meal staple for spooky season for several, several years. Um, they have vanished, but this year they're back, right? I think that, yeah, I think they also made a comeback last year. I think last year was one of the first comebacks. I love Boo Buckets. I had them all. I had the Green Witch. Uh, I had the Ghost, I believe. Yeah, Boo Buckets were the shit. I still want them. We had the White Boo Bucket, which I think was the Ghost. But that was the only one we had. Um, One of my favorite makeup YouTubers this year is going around collecting every single one. And I think she's gotten them all. That's kind of impressive. Uh, Yeah, she's been working on it. (laughs) There's like different series of them. Like the ones currently, I think there's a new color. Like it's purple. Maybe purple used to be yeah. a color before, but I know there is one purple. Um, I don't know. I have heard mixed things about this year's selection of boo buckets. People aren't necessarily like that happy about them. For what I hear, they're just hard to get a hold of. Like, yeah, bro. And that's something, I mean, I get it. It's supposed to be like a limited time offer, blah, 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 blah. But like, bring back enough. You know millennials are going to buy the shit out of this, guys. Yeah, quit fucking with me, bro. Give me my boo bucket. <laughs> uh, my name is Brandon. And I'm Patricia. <laughs> and today, we're taking a little detour of what we normally have scheduled for a spooky season episode, or any episode for that matter. And we're going to do a melee of the horror classics today. We're going to do a round robin type uh, discussion between me and Patricia. It all started when Patricia hadn't seen several of the Friday the 13th movies from the 80s or or any, I think, of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies from the 80s. Is that true? Like, you hadn't seen... No, you've seen the originals, but you hadn't seen any of the sequels, right? Exactly. And I had seen them both with you. Like, I had seen Friday the 13th with you, the original, and then I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, both with you, and then that was the... And Freddy versus Jason. I'm a millennial. Um, Those were the only ones I had seen. And so as I found myself with extra time on my hands this spooky season... And HBO Max having the full fucking library. Yeah, I've been going gangbusters. Come through HBO Max, like seriously, they have all of them. Uh, So today we're actually just going to talk about like the '80s sequels because I feel like the '80s were the era for Freddy and Jason. Like they had series that were probably like, or excuse me, they had sequels that were probably in the '90s, such as Freddy's Dead, um, The Final Nightmare, such as. the Wes Craven new nightmare, such as Freddy, which we will tap on just Freddy versus Jason today. Okay. Um, and then the Jason sequels, Jason X, which we will not talk about. Jason goes to hell, the final Friday or whatever it is. Like, I did not care for the 90s versions of the Jason's movies, um, Jason and Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So we're solely going to be in the 80s mood today. Like, that's exactly. that's where we're at. That's where the pocket for both of those were, in my opinion. So we're going to go through, oh, go ahead. Just for Brandon's reference and for listeners, I've made it through New Nightmare on the 
Freddy side, and I've made it to Jason Takes Manhattan on the Friday the 13th side. Just FYI. Yeah, and since Patricia's like a brand new lover of these series, I'm going to say, I'm assuming so. We yeah, 100%. Fuck yes, we did it. I'm going to basically just like bring up a topic of the movie. We're going to discuss it really quickly and we're going to move on because we want to do all the 80 sequels. So from Friday the 13th, the original uh, from 1980, all the way to Friday the 13th, eight, uh, Jason takes Manhattan from Nightmare on Elm Street, the original to Nightmare on Elm Street uh, five. Maybe we'll talk about, uh, we won't talk about the final nightmare. Maybe, maybe, maybe we don't. Okay. Okay. But we'll go all the way up to five, I think, on okay. um, Name on Elm Street. Is that cool? Yeah, I do have feelings about Freddy's Dead and New Nightmare. I think New Nightmare is like reminded me so much of Scream. So I think if you're a Scream lover, like 1996, if you like Scream and you haven't seen uh, New Nightmare, I would encourage you to watch New Nightmare. Ooh, this is also a good time to say... Um, even though these movies are like 30 some odd years old in a lot of cases, this is going to be a heavy spoiler episode. So yeah. if you want to watch all these or you don't want to watch them and you don't want to know what happens, maybe find a different episode. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to go too deep into the spoilers, but there will be some kind of uh, conversation about those. So if you've seen any of these movies and you're already a fan, tune in because we have opinions and I absolutely <laughs> can't wait to hear Patricia's on these because I was so excited to hear her doing this. I will also say, if you're new to these movies, like I was myself, these are 80s-based horror movies. So if you have any sort of social triggers or things that make you upset, these movies might not be for you. Like, they're super violent. They're super gory. They show all the bad parts of humanity. So that's it's, you don't have to like that. You can go listen to our Hocus Pocus episode, and that's great, too. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. But just in, case, just in case you're new to the genre. So Friday the 13th is an American horror franchise that started off again on May 9th, 1990. On May 9th, 1980, with the first movie, Friday the 13th. There are 12 sequels within this universe um, of Friday the 13th. Or I shouldn't even say universe, because I think one of the more recent remakes in 2009 is its own separate universe. But Jason uh, Voorhees, Friday the 13th, the series, has been made to several series, novels, comic books, video games, and tons of merchandise. So this is a pretty well-known horror franchise for those who love horror. I would say that, like, I believe the statistic is of, like, the top seven horror movie franchises. Um, number one, what do you think number one is in the horror movies franchise? Let me just ask you that, Patricia. So um, we're, me we're using horror as a blanket term, right? Yeah. So, like, just think about horror movie franchises, like the big, we talked a okay. little bit about this outside yeah, yeah, of this, yeah. but like the big horror movie characters or yeah. uh, villains, if you will. Sure. Sure. So, I'm, so my, my top five would be Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Leatherface, and Chucky. Oh, okay. Wow. Some of those are on the list. Um, okay. You did get, you got number one right. Halloween is like the, highest yeah. grossing horror franchise of any of them followed by yeah, the friday the 13th me. series yeah and it's so funny because halloween was definitely the precursor to all these like it came out in 1978 mm -hmm. we have a wonderful episode on that where it's wonderful very episode very research Patricia, listen Go to a book out. um <laughs> friday the 13th comes in number two um followed by the nightmare on elm street series and i think number four is saw um oh sure that makes sense now 
Yeah, right? Who else is in there? I forget what the other... No, Chucky? Um, Chucky is in there, but he's not as high as you think. I think Chucky okay. is a number seven um, in the top. Hmm. So, yeah. So, I guess, like, nowadays, you have, like, Jigsaw. Yeah, Jigsaw's up there. Oh, Ghostface? Ghostface, yeah. I think Ghost, Ghostface is 100% yeah. in there. So, like, the Scream series, that's in there. Um, so, yeah. These are really great. Um, okay. The kid from Chucky plays the kid in New Nightmare Dog. Are you sure about that? No, I'm not sure. But I yeah. definitely think it's like, I'm like, mm, 79% sure. The kid in New Nightmare, and I, f- oh, I feel bad. His name is like Milo something or other. He's around my age. He was in um, Pet Cemetery as Gage. He was oh, also maybe that's what I'm thinking of. in, um, what's it called? Kindergarten Cop. a lot of things. Yeah, my, Kindergarten Cop. He, like his dad looks at vaginas or something like that, the doctor. And then he was also in um, Full House. He played like a classmate on the shelves. He's creepy as fucking New Nightmare. Bro, he did did horror movies great. (laughs) So those are like the big seven of horror movies. But Friday the 13th, the number two series, um, started off on May 9th, 1990 with Friday the 13th. Let's talk about that, Patricia. So for those of us who have never heard of Friday the 13th, the original movie, um, it has... Quite a few flashback scenes. We get the backstory that um, at Camper, a young man died at a summer camp in like the, I think, 40s or 50s. And then um, we open up in the movie where two summer camp counselors in the 50s are about to have sex and then are murdered off off screen or excuse me, by the point of view of someone off screen, um, which starts off this legend of this summer camp, Camp Crystal Lake. And then we meet a bunch of campers, or excuse me, then we meet a bunch of counselors who come to Camp Crystal Lake many years later in the 80s and try to start up a summer camp once again where this entire town is like, nope, this place is cursed. Patricia, (laughs) let's hear your ideas. Okay, right at the top, love that it takes place at a summer camp. We've talked at length, Brand and I met at summer camp. It's always going to be a special place in my heart, number one. Number two. What I love best, and this remains true to this day, about the Friday the 13th movies, is this shit has a formula. What Brayden just told you is the plot to Friday the 13th until like the fifth or sixth one. Like we just rinse, (laughs) repeat that for a super long time. And it's fine. Like it's funny every time. Every time you're like, why are these kids do like, quote unquote, kids? Because all of these actors are at least 40 years old. Mama they make the same mistakes they do the same stupid things we the atmosphere is the same like i love it it's consistent but number one is great because of the great twist at the end yeah and and we also meet like the first final girl in the series alice who is played by adrian king she's absolutely fantastic she outsmarts the killer at the end i mean the big twist as patricia was saying spoiler alert is that Mrs. Voorhees, the mother of Jason Voorhees, is the original killer in the Friday the 13th series. And she is seeking revenge for some no-good counselors not paying attention and having her beloved son drowned in a uh, lake because they were out fucking. Which, I feel like that's a very sympathetic character. She's absolutely... Very sympathetic. She's, let's be honest, a little um, unhinged, yes. to say the least, throughout the entire movie, yeah. too take revenge on people who weren't like necessarily like <laughs> the counselors responsible quote unquote. yeah i mean maybe go after those people who are working that day um mm-hmm. i don't know but 
I totally understand like how a, that could like draw you into something like trauma. a very dark place. Yeah. It's called trauma and people process that trauma differently. <laughs> like Pamela was wrong, of course, but at the same time, we all get mad. We do. Another great part about the first Friday the 13th movie, of course, is it has a super young, sexy Kevin Bacon in it. Yes. I think that's one thing everybody associates with like Friday the 13th Eek. is just like Kevin Bacon in one of his first acting roles. Uh, just like super hot. getting murdered, being in a Speedo the entire time. It's so it's super wild. But so that is the first Friday the 13th in a nutshell. I mean, it opened up an entire universe of movies to come after this from Paramount to Warner Brothers. Like they just really, really attached to the series, did wonderful things in the box office. Probably wasn't the most well-received at the time in terms of like critics, um, probably a little flimsy. Uh, I really do appreciate the um, character that's, uh, what's his name? Oh gosh, Crazy Ralph. I don't like using the term crazy, but Crazy Ralph in this series is also um, going to, be in subsequent series of the movies and then a character kind of like based like him is always in a horror movie where he's just like the old guy who's like warning people not to go back exactly but exactly if you look at friday the 13th from a studio head's perspective even with the quote-unquote advanced special effects that movie i bet cost 12 cents to make and i bet it made 20 million dollars like that's why we got so many of them is because they were cheap to make and made money. A plus B equals C. hundred percent. If the budget was like five hundred fifty thousand dollars and it made Ain't over fifty nine point eight million in nineteen eighty money. Yeah. So so of course we get a sequel, which leads us to Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. This was released on May first, nineteen eighty one. So uh, almost a full year after the success of Friday the Thirteenth. The opening of this movie. Uh, we find our heroine from the first movie, Adrian King, uh, who plays Alice in her apartment. I think this takes place two months after the murders at Camp Crystal Lake. And she's just like walking around. It's obviously a traumatic experience for her. She has like a phone call with her mother and then a jump stare from a cat. And as she opens her refrigerator, the infamous severed head of Pamela Voorhees is in her freezer or excuse me, her refrigerator, which she had killed Pamela Voorhees two months ago with a canoe oar to save herself from being murdered by the hands of Pamela Voorhees. Um, And then she surprisingly stabbed in the head by an unknown assailant, which I think opens part two up to be one of the best horror movie sequels uh, at that time. Just because I don't think that a lot of movies at that time were killing off their main heroine. You know what I mean? Like that was a, that was like akin to screen. This was huge. And of course, Scream would take it over later and really run with it. But this shit was 1981. They were doing this like I was my chin was on the ground when that happened. I was shocked. This is actually your favorite one, right? Like you. I you... really like it. Okay. I like two and three a lot. Like two and three are kind of friends for me. Um, but two is really good. The The girl that lives in two is my favorite girl that lives. Jenny, who's a camp counselor. Jenny. Yeah, yeah Jenny, I like her. She's a part of the group of counselors who are going through like a training session at Camp Crystal Lake. Um, we meet tons of other people there. Uh, there is the girl with the dog named Muffin. I know Muffin's name, but I forgot her name. Uh, the young woman who owned Muffin. Not it's important. Like, As a summer camp counselor, why are you bringing your Shih Tzu to work? 
in the woods. just letting it around about. First of all, if I ever took, I would take Bernie camping with me. She wouldn't like it, but I would take her with me. But she would never be out of my sight, especially not when I got my tits out in the fucking lake. Like I would know <laughs> where the dog is all the time. Yeah, it's super wild. Um, Jenny, I really like Jenny's character as well because she is sort of sympathetic to the story of Jason, like the yeah, mythos of like, you know what I mean? Like she's one of the yeah. few people who actually is like, oh, that's really sad for Mrs. Voorhees. And I don't know. I think that sets her up to be a really great, like, uh, new heroine. Like, with the Alice, mm-hmm. I think Adrian um, King didn't really want to come back for the series and wanted to be limited to kind of like a small part cameo, so that's why they killed her off, mm-hmm. from my understanding. Could be wrong. Um, <laughs> but, like, Jenny in this whole movie, uh, there's memorable, like, there's super memorable kills and characters. The young guy who's yeah. uh, in a wheelchair and jason like slaps him in the face with a machete and he falls down the steps while it's raining that's a really classic scene of this movie i i think it's really great i think that my favorite part of jenny is that so there's a man in charge of course and the man in charge is doing his best to be in charge but jenny just (laughs) like undermines him a lot like she shows up late she's like you need to calm down like She's the smartest and he's not smart. And I love that dynamic. I'm going to give that credit to Friday the 13th and um, Nightmare on Elm Street is I do appreciate the smart girl being the person that beats the bad guy. Like, of course, Halloween did that with Jamie, of course. But I think that Nightmare and Friday the 13th, these women go through a lot to stop these guys. And I love that. It's really like you root for them. Yeah, you really do. I mean... I think a lot of people end up rooting for like the serial killer in these movies, like later <laughs> down the line, because they get a little bit more sure. campy and like that's whatever. But I was rooting for some of the people here tonight. Yeah. Get murdered. Like I was like, oh man, come on. You didn't have to kill the dude in the wheelchair. You didn't have to kill. Um, <laughs> what was his name? It's driving me wild. I think it was Jeff. It might have been Jeff. Mark. Might have been. Mark. It's somebody. <laughs> um, Beverly. And then Terry, I think, is the one who had the dog. And I didn't want anything to happen to the dog. I was like, damn, Terry, you are a bad dog owner. Really bad dog parent. Crazy Ralph is in this movie as well. He makes a reprise of his character warning everybody to get the fuck out. But he gets murdered in this one, which is wild. Again, another returning character that got murdered. Something that we're going to learn about Jason. And it kind of endears the universe to me is that Jason is going to kill whoever the fuck is in his vicinity. Guilty, not guilty, man, woman, biker, counselor, doesn't matter. Jason gets near you, he's going to kill you. (laughs) Not like Freddy, like you got to make a list for Freddy. Jason has no list. Like, just don't be around Jason. That's the only way to stop Jason from murdering you. And that's funny to me. Yeah, I will not be in Jason's path if if Mm -hmm. God willing. Not me. Another thing I didn't bring up at the beginning, but we'll see once we transition over to Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, 3D. All the Nightmare on Elm Street series are really good at recapping what happened in the last movie, either through like flashback or just like some character arc, which I think is really funny because there's like some continuation, but not really. There's a lot of discrepancies between the movies. Um, Like like time frame, like I think within the first three movies, it's all supposed to be happening within like a few months, within days of each other, which is really, mm. really interesting to think about throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. That is um, interesting. 
so that leads me to again friday the 13th part three which was in 3d released on august 13th 1982 so another full year they're cranking and burning but they are turning these motherfuckers out man dude they were doing that with the saw series for a while i feel like saw had a movie coming out every fucking year this one was a budget of 2.2 million and it made 36.7 so you're making money why not make it is three the one with the bikers yes my dude Three yeah. starts off with a kind of like the flashback of what happened in part two. We learn of our main heroine, Chris Higgins, has a relationship with the lake house that they're going to, um, which, again, in lore, this is only a few days after what happened in part two further down the lake. Like we see the ambulances and stuff that have gone to where part two happened. And it's really interesting that Chris had like an experience one night when she was like away from her family that she was pursued by Jason, what we learned learned to be Jason. Um, and this movie's also famous for like making Jason the most iconic look in a horror movie franchise. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll get to that later, but this really sets up a lot of that. For the record, I hate Chris and I think she's annoying. And I was ready for her to die the whole time. Sucks for you because she did not. Spoiler alert to those who are just I watching know. it. Um, this movie had a lot of interesting characters. Like we meet Chris and then we also meet her like hippie friends who are in the back of her car smoking pot. Like they're a couple. We meet uh, Vera who, man, I feel bad for Vera. Like I really like Vera. She's like, yeah, Vera's um, cool. She's friends with Chris and she got set up on a date with Shelly who is annoying. He's like the prankster who is according to this movie, fat and ugly. Um, And I feel bad for Shelly, but he is like portrayed very well as an annoying figure that i'm just like god damn dude leave the jokes at home i don't need you putting on a mask scaring me and all this other bullshit just like be normal which a lot of characters I like say to want me to put my i want to put my whole fist through shelly's fucking face the whole time like yeah. shelly guy can it you gotta can it dude and there's also a pregnant character debbie and her boyfriend andy like That's i don't know right. why they want- right like she's not like visibly pregnant but doesn't matter but like she brings it up and i'm like why are we why do we need that's a pregnant weird. character that's weird where are the stakes in that like why are we doing that yeah i don't like it this is also the movie that introduces three biker characters ali fox and loco that patricia loves um they're introduced they're fun. yeah at a convenience store where shelly and vera um get an altercation with them and then shelly runs over their bikes and it's just a big deal and they go out for revenge. Like the biker characters are trying to kill these people, in my opinion. They try to set a fire in the bar that they live in. And I feel like that's that's, that's true. That, it's escalated from like running into your bikes and shit like that. But I get it. Something's funny about this movie is like almost a lot of the action all takes place in this barn. Like almost everybody's murdered in the barn versus the other uh, movies where like you're in the woods. The whole point is you're split up. So that's why Jason can like pick you off one by one. So you're all over the place. But in three, just don't go in that barn. And I think you're going to be okay. Yeah, that is true. I didn't realize that a lot of murders did happen in that. Um, You get Fox who's murdered in there when she's like swinging on the swing. Um, All three bikers are killed in there. Yeah, you're right. Man, if you're a biker, do not go in a bar. That is not... And then the stoners die in the barn, too. Man, they didn't have to kill the stoners. They were just minding their <laughs> I business. I mean, the stoners were out. assholes. They I didn't were. like the way they were represented. I was like, the, the, they do not represent us as a group. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is also the movie where 
uh, Jason gets his iconic hockey mask from Shelly. Yeah. Shelly brought it with him. And then after Jaden, Jaden, after Jason uh, destroys Shelly, he takes the mask and murders Vera, who's a perfectly nice person who did not. Vera should have been our last girl. She should have been the final I'm one standing. I'm saying. I was like, take Chris. Vera was, Vera was doing her, and she was sympathetic. I kind of, in Vera, I saw Jenny, and that's why I kind of thought, I was like, oh, Vera's, you know, she's using her brain. She's thinking about things, but no, no justice in this world. No, exactly. And like Vera, you meet, like we initially meet, I feel like she's the only one whose family members we meet in the movie, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Like you meet her mom and her mama, she are arguing about her going, like her mother doesn't want her to go. So that makes it even more like sad that she dies. Mm-hmm. Oh man. It's hard because since I've seen them all in such like a kind of a short time window, I'm worried I'm getting the ones mixed up. But I think we'll I'm work. okay. I think I'm doing we'll correct right. them. And again, this one yeah. was shot in 3D. Like this was shot in 3D, which was very interesting. Like you can watch this movie and tell what shots they had in 3D. Yeah, you can't like, random shit that they're like putting <laughs> at the camera, like a yo-yo, somebody's eye. Or like passing you a joint really close to camera <laughs> dude is this the one that had the hippie like who was hitchhiking die no that was a different one i don't think so she was like eating a banana was that her oh maybe that was her yeah that was her eating a banana <laughs> she was just trying to get some place <laughs> yeah it didn't have to kill her like she wasn't even like again jason's just like let me kill this bitch before i move on that's what i'm saying like don't even like, if you see him, you just got to run the other way. I don't know. I feel like in this one, Chris was definitely way more traumatized initially yeah. than the other two surviving women were. Yeah. Uh, like, she got carted off in a police car, and they, it just didn't look good for Chris. Like, I thought Chris was, yeah. like, for sure going to be spending a night in the chokey or something. Well, because she had already had some sort of exchange with Jason. So then the trauma is revisited in the film. And, you know, double trauma, that's hard to recover from. That is very true. Poor poor Chris. Maybe we were a little harsh on Chris. No, I still don't like her, but <laughs> I, don't I have like sympathy her. for anybody who runs into Jason. Like, yeah, bad day. <laughs> Bummer. Do you think you'd be able to take him? I would never be in Jason's vicinity. If for some <laughs> reason I was in Jason's vicinity, I would just like try to hide. I'm not confronting him because something we learn is that nothing is taking Jason down. You can do all the things you think to do. Okay, not going to work. So I'm I'm hoping to evade <laughs> over confront. I like that about you. All right, so we're skipping ahead to 1984, almost two years after the release of part three, which is one of my personal favorite ones. But uh, then we have Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which is part four. This was released on August, or excuse me, April 13th, 1984, which I believe is a Friday. You got to get it on the Friday. Like, how are you not releasing every Friday 13th on a Friday 13th, right? Got to. We then, I think we also, in this one, begin with kind of a recap of what went on in the previous third movie. Quick 90-second recap. They're good for it, and it's great. It's just like a little reminder, here's what's happened before. Which is great. I kind of appreciate that. You never know. Me too. You and I both watched them like back to back. So it didn't really help. I mean, it was nice. It was nice. But after a year or so, maybe you do need like a little refresher. Like, oh, yes, Chris, Chris is gone. She she's never coming back. Exactly. Um, But this movie, I think, is also set a few days after the events or even the next day after the events of part three in the canon. Like that's kind of which keeps blowing my mind. Yeah. 
So it's all within a like short period of time that he's doing all this shit. Um, Jason, if Jason were a real serial killer, that's like he's in double digits already. Oh, like 100%. even if we take out Pamela's, like just Jason's two, three, that's at least double digits, probably upper double, probably like close to 20. Yeah, man, that's wild. It's and this is a berserker phase, man. Damn, it is unhinged of Jason. Yeah, this next movie is set pretty much in Crystal Lake once again. Um, he's believed to be dead, his body's in a morgue. Uh, he spontaneously revives and he escapes the coach storage and killing a couple of people on his way out, a nurse, um, and the coroner. Then that's when we meet a couple of teens who are on a trip. Actually, I think this is the one where the girl gets stabbed in the throat for eating a banana. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Which is fucked up still. <laughs> R.I.P. that girl. Uh, but a group of teenagers um, are coming to a lake house to party at Crystal Lake. But we also meet uh, a family of four, um, a mom, a daughter, a son, and a dog named Gordon. Uh, the son's played by Corey Feldman, none other than the 80s kid icon actor that played in fucking everything. Goodies. Literally. Yeah, you know what I mean? um lost boys stand lost by me boys stand by me yeah Corey feldman was working in the 80s yeah so none other than him being a part of this iconic series as the fourth and final chapter which we all know is not true <laughs> but it's a good move by movie makers really good idea to bring in a really big name for the fourth because like people are like it's formulaic people are complaining now like they're like we've seen it Bringing in a big name for number four was a super good idea. Yeah, and uh, Corey Feldman's character, Tommy Jarvis, becomes like a big character arc throughout the... Yeah. Oh, not just say throughout the rest of it, through many of the series, like even in comic mm -hmm. books and video games and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. His sister Trish, she's the older teenager and she kind of meets the kids next door and um, they're all hanging out, you know what I mean? And they're having mm -hmm. parties and stuff. We meet twins in this movie. There's twins. I think the oh, only set right. of twins... Terry and Tina, one of them's a lot hornier than the other one. I'm gonna be honest with you because she is on everybody's man in that movie, like nobody is safe from Terry. <laughs> Listen, you know, Terry, um, I appreciate you being so progressive and honest about your feelings. Good for you. She really did, did consent, not care. though, Terry. Yeah, she's like, You got a girlfriend? I don't give a fuck. Come on, Paul. She's like, I'm not dance. here to be your girlfriend. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not what I'm interested in at all. <laughs> this movie has a ton of nudity as well we see butts we see tits this yeah. is great this is real great i think this is like where this trope begins like i remember there being nudity and the other ones eh, women not really there's not oh, really nudity. Man. this is um, the first one that really has it no because um we see titties and bush it with the girl who brings the shih tzu oh yes that is very true the other terry I, the, the other Terry so I can't confirm I'm not sure about the other ones but I know because even in that moment it's like whoa boobs and bush good for you like, <laughs> I was surprised by it boobs and bush in the movie so as a journalist I have to be on top of my game here Absolutely. it was actually Tina who is the one who is uh, uh, progressive in her pursuit of sexual partners uh me sure. too girl me too same um allegedly in some lore Tommy Jarvis is supposedly related to the guy in the second movie. I think Mark Jarvis in the in the wheelchair. There hasn't been anything like canon to define that, but I remember in the credits for uh, part two, 
the character's name is Jarvis, which is kind of strange that they would reuse it, but they reused a lot of names in this. Like Terry's already been this reused. This is true. Yeah. So it could be anybody. You know, Jarvis is pretty common last name, I guess. And, you know, I feel like sometimes movie makers will be like, oh, you know, my high school English teacher who changed my life, her name was Mrs. Jarvis. So everybody, all my heroines are going to be called Jarvis. Uh, true, right? Young Tommy, though, has like a passion for creating like spooky things like masks and stuff like that. And he has a talent for it. I'm sure he's not a huge talent. Like, Man. oh, my gosh. I don't know do if I would this? let my kid make masks. I don't know. Really? Like, I'd be like, like, it's creative and stuff, but it's scary. And I'm scared. I don't want to be walking around the house, see the scary ass mask. I don't want that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you would support your son if that was like his would. hobby or passion. And you'd be like, you know what? Keep making creepy masks, Tommy. That's that's good for you. I mean, they're really good. If they weren't so high quality, these are top shelf masks. <laughs> <laughs> like movie quality masks. We Way can to make go, money Tommy. off to this. Uh, we also meet Rob, who is a character that uh trish meets in the woods he's a big burly handsome man he's looking for his sister his younger sister who is a character in um the sequel sandra his sister yeah she's the one who got speared while they were having sex do you remember that one in part two yeah Yeah, allegedly that's he's looking for her that's his sister which is great um so there's another connection to family there that one's actually canon because he talks about it in this movie but it's just really funny that they decided of all characters like why why sandra why was sandra like the one that rob was connected to yeah good question also they reuse other names too like tina is another name they reuse in the series i think tina was a very 80s name i feel like there was a higher level of tinas in the 80s yeah today like tina belcher is the only tina i can think of now yeah you don't even know her in real life no she's a cartoon character patrish tina patrina (laughs) patrina Patrina. You should you should name your daughter Patrina. I would Patina. never Patina. Patina. No, if I mar- if I have a daughter, I will name her Trina after the baddest bitch. But I'm not gonna <laughs> name her Tina. You could name her Tina with a P apostrophe like yours, but no, not pronounce the P. Like the P is silent. So it'd be still like Tina, like kind of like pterodactyl. That's that what you should the- do worst idea i've ever heard tina you're a horrible gunkle this is my daughter tina with a p it's silent (laughs) hi i'm patricia with an apostrophe nice to meet you this is my (laughs) daughter tina the p is silent are you kidding me that's the worst thing i've ever you're terrible i like her she seems like a real go-getter um so to expose myself a little bit here I like four, but I like Tommy Jarvis better in five. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about Tommy Jarvis in four, because he, again, does play a huge role in uh, sequels. Uh, I'm not going to say how many, but like Tommy, again, is like a 12-year-old kid. He's with his sister, Trish. Unfortunately, his mom definitely gets it. Like, mom mom Jarvis is gone. She gets murdered. Yeah. Uh, Gordon jumps out a window, but allegedly is still safe based on like comic books and other video games. Like Gordon Live, thank God we love that. That's two for two for dogs in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. We didn't mention that, but but Muffin the Shih Tzu from uh, Two does make it out fine. We yeah. think that something happens to her, but it doesn't. It's a psycho. Yeah. We were we were rooting for you, Muffin. Wonder where you were for a few hours in the woods. How you how you still survived it? We have no idea. 
<laughs> literally every single text message that I've been sending Brandon about these movies, I'm like, Muffin lives. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you were really worried love- about Muffin. The, our, text really messages, our text messages over this stuff was really funny. Like as you were watching it, I was just really enjoying our commentary and what you thought about them. Um, it was really like fun. in part four, like there is like that really creepy character dude who uh, is always talking about bucket and stuff like that, but doesn't have sex with anybody because he's weird. Yeah. And I, isn't um, Crispin Glover in here? He plays Jimmy. He plays like kind of the nerdy dude, the thin man from Charlie's Angels. Do you know who I'm talking about? Um. Yes. He wore the suspenders, I, I believe. About. Yeah. Holy shit! Movie. My brain didn't put that together until you said that. Yeah, I was like trying to like eye him. I was like, why do I know this dude? It's Crispin Glover. That's that is nutty. Um. After Jason makes a mockery of murdering all these kids, like he has some pretty good kills in this. Um yeah. I feel like it, he threw one twin from the window onto a car. <laughs> that was really fucked up. The other twin who was trying to leave during a rainstorm because their sister was getting fucked, like, you should have waited that out, sis. <laughs> like, not because you, like, you shouldn't have left your sister alone and you shouldn't have, like, ridden in a storm by yourself, like, or tried to do that. Yeah. Not victim blaming, but, like, that was a... Bad decisions. Bad yeah. decisions were made. Not saying you deserve to be murdered by Jason, but if you're gonna go biking in the middle of a thunderstorm, pouring down it's rain... It's not a good idea. It's not safe. Yeah. Like, sis... Love yourself. Um, go in there, bust in our room, like, bitch, let's go. Call an Uber. I don't know. Yeah, or just, like, sit on the couch until they're done. Like, just wait. Do you have, like, your headphones? I don't know, babe. But, but getting on your bike in the rain is not the solution. It wasn't. He speared her to death. We lost two twins. Um, Rob gets murdered, too. I thought Rob was going to, like, he was a big mm-hmm. dude. I thought he would do a great job at fighting Jason. He did not. He got thrown through a window uh, with a machete in his face. And then as Trish fucks Jason up with a machete and all this stuff, he gets the upper hand for it and he's about to kill her when Tommy does this thing where he decides to like shave his face and put makeup on to look like a young Jason because throughout the movie he's found articles and kind of heard the story and things like that. So just like in the original movie, a callback or part two where Jenny convinces Jason that he's she is Mrs. Voorhees like puts on the sweater and convinces him which I love which is fucking genius genius this is very similar where they try to confuse Jason to thinking that Tommy is a young Jason um and then Tommy kills the fuck out of Jason he goes yeah he goes he goes in hard yeah die die you know I mean those infamous lines um and unfortunately like I think that has some severe psychological effects on t- poor Tommy, which obviously, yeah, I had which to fight for my life. My mom was yeah. murdered by a serial killer and yeah. I killed a person. Yeah. Like that's pretty intense. That's going to mess up your trajectory a little bit. That was the ending of part four, which was supposed to be called the final chapter. We know that is not the tr- case because there are, <laughs> Quite a few sequels after this, I believe Quite six. After a few it. sequels. <laughs> yeah, so that they lied. It was not the last one. We then get to Friday the Thirteenth, Part Five: A New Beginning, on March twenty second, nineteen eighty five. So this movie is very controversial to folks. Uh, yeah. There's a twist ending. Uh, we went into this whole. Uh, we're never. Jason's dead. Jason's gone. That chapter closed. Here's a new whole new story for you. 
originally i think the idea for the friday the 13th series was to be kind of like an anthology series where it had different um characters different murderers and stuff throughout the movie similar to how they were going to do halloween as we know with like mm-hmm. halloween 3 which was like the season of which had nothing to do with michael myers they brought that back um right. this was kind of that vehicle for this to kind of get them out of that jason misses where he's like corner they back themselves into and so we meet tommy jarvis once again uh this is set several years after the fact um uh, so tommy's a teenager now so probably more like in upper teen probably like 17 18 he's still yeah right he's still yeah. feeling uh some bad feelings about what happened during that mass murder a couple years back i will say this the actor who plays this tommy jarvis john shepherd is very handsome he is super handsome, especially in like a poofy 80s hair kind of way. Yeah, like, I was into it. And he's a sympathetic character. Like you feel bad for Tommy. Like Tommy's gone through fucking bad stuff. And he's kind of doing his best, but he's a teenage, like he's a sympathetic character. Yeah, he's gone through like several psychi- psychiatric hospitals. He's lost his mom. He has to deal with all this stuff. Uh, the beginning of the movie, though, does bring back Corey Feldman in the role uh, just as for a second. young young Corey Feldman it's like a dream sequence um that was actually filmed in Corey Feldman's backyard um and the reason why Corey's not in this movie is because he was filming Goonies at the same time so he couldn't so he had chosen to do just like a cameo performance and that That's scene a, in the, the rain best choice yeah man <laughs> he could have came back I would have really liked Tommy Jeffers but I do love the aging of tommy jarvis into this hot stud yeah he was fit he was handsome yeah he's a good actor yeah yeah a lot of people in this movie were kind of upset with the fact that they didn't know it was a friday the 13th sequel until after they were cast and so there's a lot of turmoil on set with this movie like a lot of people were not happy with making this movie tons of heavy drugs reviews during the production of this or excuse me the filming production everything during this movie so it's just a lot of crazy stories uh, from Checks different out. sources which yeah it's the 80s it's 85 yeah i'm sure people were doing <laughs> like it's cocaine. 1985 los angeles <laughs> everyone is doing cocaine giant piles of cocaine so new tommy is getting shipped off to like a new kind of halfway house with teens yeah like being, a group home yeah it's like a group home uh it's being led by a doctor and his assistant pam roberts Tommy's there with a bunch of other teens. We meet a ton of characters. Um, again, there's another Tina. Uh, there's a dude named Eddie who's kind of hot. Eddie's really hot. Um, yeah. There's a dude who stutters. Jake, um, Violet. She's uh, New Wave. She's like the New, new wave, wave. Yeah, she's like the New Wave. Um, crimped hair, black lipstick and stuff like that alongside her friend Robin, who's a redhead and very sweet. We haven't seen a redhead in this movie. I don't think. No, that's not true. Alice was. She was a redhead. Um, There's also Joey, who is a compulsive eater. And he's kind of the one that everybody is annoyed with the most. And then um, there's one character. What is his name? Vic. Vic is kind of like a punk hottie as well. But he was in the movie um, Return of the Living Dead. He played... Oh shit! Yeah, dude, I was like, Return of Living Dead is great. Return of Living Dead is great. We will definitely do as episode on that. Um, but then we also meet the cook, his grandson Reggie, and that's about it. I think they're 
all just at this halfway house working and living together and doing different chores and uh, therapy sessions and all this. I think they all had different backgrounds and apparently they're not very well liked in the neighborhood because their neighbor Ethel comes a rolling in on her son's dirt bike and is cussing everyone the fuck out. And I mean, everyone she's cussing out the sheriff. She's cussing out these kids. She's cussing out her son. And Ethel is the star of this movie for me. I fucking love Ethel's character. I think after Jason, Ethel is the most iconic character to come from the franchise. <laughs> Would you Ethel, shut the fuck up? I was in tears, you guys. She Her son is called Junior, I think, and she's cussing at him. Like, she probably says the F word 87 times. Like, she's <laughs> Ethel is so fucking funny. Uh, Ethel is ridiculous because she says the dude who comes out to clean out her chicken coop is ugly as fucking sin she has this terrible son junior who is a fucking annoying and she cannot stand junior she cannot stand junior's ass because he just is yes she hates man her whole life she hates everything about her life mostly her terrible son junior like ethel is mad and it's so funny you're not a look at your damn self junior um ethel is just forever cussing people the fuck out in this movie and it really goes a long way Good job, Ethel. Um, so yeah, so they're at this halfway house when something really fucked up happens. Joey is covered in chocolate for some reason and fucks up the laundry that Robin and Violet are working on. So they like shoo him away and he's angry. So he goes to bother Vic, who's chopping wood. Vic is annoyed at Joey and axe murders the motherfucker. Like Vic is insane which is shocking in scene. like something else that i love about jason or friday the 13th movies is that um you know a lot of times it's, it's, it's horror movies it's a dark and stormy night you know it's dark that that rule does not apply to friday the 13th movies like jason will kill you in the morning he'll kill you in the afternoon he'll kill you at, like at lunchtime and so this with this murder which doesn't involve jason it still happens in like the middle of the day and it's just shocking Dude, it's right. A lot of murders on this just happened the other day. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wild. Um, again, Jason don't give a fuck. He, he has nope. no qualms about murdering somebody, it seems like. And at two o'clock at brunch, at afternoon tea, <laughs> he's going to get your ass. <laughs> Ding dong. It's me, Jason, and my giant machete. You're dead. There's also another character from Return to Living Dead in here, played by N- Miguel Nunez, who plays Reggie's brother, um, Demon. Did you notice that as well? I did not, but I justice for Demon. Demon didn't deserve that. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover from Return of the Living Dead and um, the Friday the 13th series. There's several actors who do it. Yeah. Um, But anyways, so throughout this movie, there are tons of people getting murdered, as always. Um, After Joey's body gets picked up by the um, paramedics, one of the paramedics is unhinged and is like, approach to dealing with the dead body in front of teenagers who just saw their friend murder their other friend like he's like you never seen a dead body before and then like Such very an callous. it was gross bro oh my I was like, gosh i was like bro calm down these teenagers just witnessed a trauma sorry that we're not all callous like you and we're like in the fucking yard dude we're not like at the morgue like this just happened and you're making you're awful he was awful man Again, hot Tommy. He um still making masks though. He kind of befriends Reggie with that. Um, we see a lot of people get murdered. We see 
the two Eddie and his girlfriend get murdered off when they go have sex in the woods, which Eddie's death, I think, is one of the worst ones. He gets yeah. pushed up against a tree with a leather belt strapped against his head while Jason garrots it. Like he turns it. It's, to it's brutal. So... Dude. It looks so fucking painful. Um, his girlfriend also had a pretty bad death scene too. I mean, she got, Tina got shears like a garden hedge shoved into mm-hmm. her eyeballs. So I don't yeah. know. Really bad. What do you like about this movie, Patricia? I really like, um, I really like Reggie. I like, um, I thought that the, the like assistant doctor who helps at the end, I thought she was okay. And I liked grown up Tommy. And I, I liked the new characters. Like I feel people who I understand that this is maybe not people's favorite movie, but like, you know, it was interesting. Yeah, I felt bad for some of the characters who got murdered. Like Violet just yeah. jamming in her fucking room, dancing, and gets bombarded by Jason. There's a lot of people here who I have like kind of more sympathy for for whatever reason. Yeah. And then like Reggie, I don't want to die because he's only like 10, 11. Like right. he's the new Corey Feltman. And he's right. like running <laughs> running around with um with Pam through the rain, which is really Pam. funny because there are several scenes where they're like running together and they're still trying to stick together and it's fucking raining. Pam's in heels. Reggie leaves Pam at one point. She's like, all the time. Oh, I would too. I'm sorry. I got to run Pam. We're we're in this together. But they really did stick together, which I appreciate. Like, she was really trying to take out, look out for Reggie. That's Uh, what I was just going to say. Like, Pam really put herself between danger and Reggie. And that was damn decent of her. Like, a lot of people wouldn't do that. And Reggie stuck up for Pam too. Like, he got on the. He got on the uh, like the what is that called? A Hellcat? I don't know what's called. The thing he was driving. Yeah, like a Thrasher or something. I have no idea what the fuck that. I don't know. Tools. I think these, I think these kids are a bit more sympathetic because the kid, the people who were killed before were always like camp counselors. They were always like drunk and partying and stuff. These kids are just in a group home, like going to therapy together. <laughs> like they weren't <laughs> trying to mess with anybody, <laughs> and I think that's why I feel a bit more sympathy for them. This one reminds the people in this one remind me, or the characters in this one kind of remind me of the characters from Nightmare on Elm Street Three, the Dream Warriors, which we will talk about. But I, I don't know, for some reason, I feel like they are very similar. No, I see that parallel. Characters, sure. mostly because Violet and, um, <laughs> you know, so the twist ending in this one is after Tommy helps Reggie and Pam kill the killer. Uh, it's not Jason; it's a dude named Roy. He was one of the paramedics. He was a secret dad of um, Joey who got murdered earlier and he went absolutely out for revenge. No one knew that it was his son. Um, really wasn't explained, but we're supposed to know that because Jason has a different color mask on. He has an iconic hockey mask, but instead of the red, he has like blue. So that's kind of like a secret cue to us who are watching movies that this isn't Jason, it's some other person. So this is a new beginning. And people did not like that. They I'm were like, shocked. <laughs> yeah, it had a number one opening weekend, but people were like, don't do this shit again. It came out next to Porky's Revenge, um, Mask, and The Last Dragon. And then they were just wow. like, yeah, dude. They were just like, please, please, please. You bamboozled us. We don't like this. <laughs> we don't like Roy. Who the fuck is Roy? And so even though this didn't do as well as the others had did, we still got a sequel because it cost two point two million and made twenty one point nine million at the box oh. office. 
Which leads us to Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. August 1st, 1986. This movie is, it was billed as Bringing Back Jason. It's in the title, Jason Lives. Yeah. They know fucking Roy in this one. Um, so this one brings back Tommy Jarvis again, played by another actor who is an actor from Returning of the Living Dead. That will be Tom Matthews. Tom Matthews does great in this. I don't, do you like this Tommy or you prefer the other Tommy? I prefer other Tommy, but this Tommy has its place. Um, but I like, you know, broken trying to do his best Tommy. Yeah, he's older. He um still is having mental health issues and he's been yep. released from a hospital for the criminally insane, which he had been in since the last time we saw Tommy. This time Tommy and a friend go to check Jason's grave to make sure he's still there because Tommy's having these hallucinations. And unfortunately, they resurrect him using thunder. Tommy is I don't know, his own worst enemy. Like, I feel like if you weren't there, Tommy, none of this would have happened and we wouldn't have Jason anymore. Like, just just throwing it out there to you, bro. So his friend gets murdered and then he's on the run from Jason and he runs to the sheriff's station and they don't believe him. They try to get, they're like, Tommy Jarvis, you're absolutely not somebody we want in our town. So they try to run him out. Tommy doesn't do that. He befriends the sheriff's daughter who is a camp counselor as well. Um and she's, she's a sheriff's assistant because she's in the fucking like she's answering 911 calls and shit oh, oh dude she's taking like this must be a small small town because she's like daddy i don't yeah. care about what you're saying this dude's hot yeah. i'm gonna fuck him essentially yeah. um yeah. and more power to her yeah there's a lot of kids in this movie a lot of kids yeah we actually never really see campers in any of these movies until this one for real when you think about it yeah, no, you're right, because up to this point, it's just been counselors. Yeah, and so, oh, that adds stakes to this movie. Like, there's there's children who are worried that Jason's going to harm these children. But spoiler alert, Jason doesn't fuck with the kids, really. He No. He, he runs those into aren't people. Yeah, those aren't, those are not on his target list for some reason. Which is interesting, right? Like, maybe he's just like, I'm a kid, too. That's what I was just going to say. Like, maybe he sees them as peers. Like, they're just as in danger as he is. So he's oh my gosh, does Jason think he's actually protecting the kids? Because he's like, no, 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 I'm getting rid of these counselors, so you're welcome, kids. Like, I'm worried oh Jason's psyche is that him and the kids are on the same team. Which is wild, dude. I mean, he did. Wild. What if that is what Jason's, like, MO is? He's like, I gotta protect. Yeah. But the kids kind of made fun of him at camp, too. He was kind of ostracized, but maybe he's like, no, sure. you guys are cool. Sure. I don't know. It's interesting. This one is an interesting one. Megan, the sheriff's daughter, again, she has a prominent role in helping Tommy trying to tell everybody that Jason is the one who's doing all these murders and we need to save the teenagers and these kids. Uh, Jason's an urban legend at this point. Like everybody in the city or everybody in Crystal Lake, which I think has been renamed now something else, is familiar with the stories. Um, it's Camp Forest Green now and not Crystal Lake, which is mm-hmm. really fun. This one really had characters who I thought I felt bad for. Like there are a couple of them. They didn't deserve to die, but Sissy. Um, Sissy. I'm tr- I was trying to remember her name. Yeah. I do like Sissy. Her getting pulled out the window was really. F- yeah. I felt bad for her. The dude, yeah. uh, court and his girlfriend, Nicola, who were fucking in the, um, the RV. That's a really memorable scene in that. Like he shoves Nicola's face through the RV door and we get like this giant impression in it. He, he took no mercy on anybody in this movie. Like he is very violent. 
unfortunately yeah. to a lot of people. We'll wrap up Friday the 13th. Jason lives there for the time being. Okay. Beautiful. I, I, I'm very controversial here, Patricia. Like, Jason lives and I would say any of the Tommy Jarvis series of Jasons are some of my mm-hmm. favorite Jasons. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Like, I find Tommy Jarvis a compelling, like, I'm rooting for Tommy. Right? Like, uh, that's what I feel like. And and Tommy's like a really great character to kind of like feel sympathetic towards. Like, mm-hmm. we grew up with Tommy uh, somewhat. Yeah. You know what I mean? We saw his mom and <laughs> sister go yeah. through some terrible things. Like, we know Tommy, right? Like, I, he's 100% sympathetic, but he's also like a survivor. Like, Tommy um, can find a lot of motivation, a lot of determination. He kind of like can reach deep and fight Jason more than one time. That's hard to do, man. I'm such a quitter. <laughs> yeah, dude. But I mean, if you had nothing else, maybe you would go for Jason? Or would you probably like, I'm going to take a little vacation. Like, this Jason shit taking up too much of my time. Yeah, I am going to pull an old-fashioned relocation. I'm going to move to Albuquerque or Toronto, and I'm just going to start a new life. So the next movie we're going to talk about is Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, which came out in 1988. This one, I think, might be your your personal favorite of the Jason series. I do really like it, yeah. I do really like it. I mean, you said two was, but I think for some reason... This is up your alley well, a little bit more. We're gonna find out in exactly six seconds why this is my favorite. All right. What makes this uh Friday the 13th movie really unique is that Jason is up against a teenage telekinetic. Thank Carrie, but her name is again, y'all, Tina. This Tina. Is like the third or fourth Tina in the um Friday the 13th series, which I think is really ridiculous. I'm like, I get it, you have to recycle names, but like damn Tina in almost every other movie. <laughs> And this time she can move things with her mind. Yeah. We we meet Tina in a flashback where um, her dad is an abusive alcoholic um, who gets in an argument and fight with her mom. And then Tina runs away and then she murders her dad with her telekinetic powers, which I guess leads to a lot of... uh, Fuck around and find out, dad. I I mean, really, dude. Like, I don't know. I'm not a telekinetic kid. I don't think I feel remorse for that, but that's just me. I'd be like, well... You hit my mom, so you gotta die now. And you gotta die now. Um, not that's not funny, but that would be my <laughs> however Tina was is like yeah, uh, brain thoughts, brain thoughts. What the fuck am I talking about? Anyways, so she's a telekinetic. We meet Tina, um, her mom, and her doctor who go back to Crystal Lake to kind of like deal with Tina's traumas. Like the doctor knows that she's a telekinetic. And I think her mom does too. And they're trying to figure out what like really triggers it. And apparently it's like really intense emotions. And then Tina meets a bunch of teenagers who are partying next door. Uh, one of which is a really nasty bitch. And I use this term very, very kindly. Um, bro, there's another Robin in this? That's so wild. Hold up. Am I drunk? That would be wild. <laughs> bro, it is. There's another Robin. There's another Eddie. Like there's a lot of the repeat names on here. That's why I got really confused. I was like, wait, what? These writers only know six names. What's the name of the bitchy bitch? His name. Really quickly, we should touch over like a Hollywood <laughs> legend that's in this movie as well. A lot of people really did get their starts or probably like early careers in these horror movies, like Kevin Bacon, but also in this particular sequel, Jason Lives, Tony Goldwyn is a minor role in here one of the first kills in the movie 
Uh, you may know Tony Goldwyn as the bad guy in Ghosts. Uh, I know him as Fitz in Scandal. Scandal. Olivia Pope's love interest, the president of the fucking United States. Um, and just overall hottie. Like, he's good looking in this movie, too. But he's also, like, when I say Hollywood royalty, his last name, Goldwyn, he he is one of the Goldwins. Like, Metro That's Goldwyn. That's the MGM. That yeah. G stands for Goldwyn. That's him. That's that's yeah. he's family, which is yeah. so wild for me to think about. I'm like, damn, bro. Um, so you good looking and rich. I'm gonna put a little caveat there that I don't know if I would call him good looking. Really? I think um so list of movies I saw when I was way too young to see is ghost. And so when like he was really bad, and I already had this weird attachment to Patrick Swayze because of Dirty Dancing, another movie I should not have seen at that point in my life. <laughs> but like when he gets sucked into hell, that really scared me a lot. So I kind of associate him with like scary people. <laughs> okay. I associate him with just like good looking. Like he's always had like yeah, no. he's been super fit his entire life. He's just Very a really fit. handsome dude. I felt bad with his murder scene of this because like I also noticed in a lot of these, Patricia, I haven't done enough research. Did you know that there's like a B Volkswagen bug in almost every fucking movie and they're using it to try to get away from Jason? Like the worst possible car to drive away from folks. I think a lot of this is I feel I don't I don't know if this is real or not, but this feels like Circle Jerk like giving Stephen King a moment. Is this like a Stephen King reference? Is this them Ooh. being like, oh, respect Stephen King, here's a bug? I hope we're, not, because that seems lame. But we're gonna have to look be. more into this. But they have yeah. literally. I think there's there been a bug been one. in every single movie thus far. Yeah, like, you're right. Uh, so it's just really funny that they continue to have one. But I guess it is the '80s, so they'll probably be a little bit more relevant then. But well, if you think about it, you know, Ted Bundy drove a bug. Ed Kemper had a bug. Lots of serial killers like the Volkswagen bug. Jesus Christ! I did not it's cute. Gets girls that. in the car. Yikes. Weird. Um, Tony Goldwyn does die, him and his beautiful girlfriend, um, which sucks. They were the first two kills really after his resurrection. And Tony had a gun, a little tiny gun, shooting it. That wasn't going to hurt Jason. We have learned that Jason is um, bulletproof, essentially. You can't kill him with bullets. How do you get rid of Jason? We don't know yet. This is really frustrating because he keeps coming back, too. And he's been shot a lot of times. A lot, a lot. So I think he was also like hung. Like there have been multiple attempts on Jason. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> I <laughs> I was not thinking. I really gotta get my mind right because when you said you just said hung, and I thought immediately, I was like, "What are you going on right now?" Yes, but, I was using the word <laughs> in the traditional sense. Yes, yes. Woof. That's funny. Like, damn, Patricia's trying to fuck Jason now. I am sure that fanfic exists and you can Google. That's a quick Google away if you're interested in that. If you had to. Okay, of the the horror top three. Sure. Michael, Jason, Freddy, who would you have sex with? So I'm very superficial and I'm going Michael because he's not charred and decayed. Jason is covered (laughs) in goo all the time. He's like decaying. I'm not fucking something that's decaying. And Freddy is not a kind lover. So I'm going Michael Myers. (laughs) (laughs) okay fuck Mary kill (laughs) jason freddie and michael myers i I mean oh geez now you're really forcing my hand um okay i'm gonna go 
fuck Jason, marry Michael, kill Freddie. You just said you wouldn't fuck Jason because he was... Listen, you said I had to fuck one of them. So I'm not going to fuck the pedophile. (laughs) I don't know. Apparently that's my line. Oh, shit. Uh, (laughs) I like that you decided to settle down with Michael Myers. Maybe he's just really lonely. Like, maybe he just needs somebody to listen to. Yeah, when he murdered his sister for no Listen, reason. maybe she was a bitch. I don't even know her. I don't know what happened. We don't know what happened, Brandon. <laughs> I mean, we do. We saw Judith get killed after she was boning We've her heard bro. one narrative is all I'm saying. Okay. Sounds about right. Should have known you were a Michael Myers apologist. <laughs> That was a good combo. I on also that. think technically he's like the softest. He has a much lower kill count than Freddie and Jason. Fair point. That is a fair point. You know, maybe there's some good in there left, Brandon. <laughs> I love that you're seeing things on a brighter side. Um, again, so Tina's in this movie and she has telekinetic powers, which is a wild way to fight Jason. I think originally they were going to do like a Carrie versus Jason sure. movie. Um, so like the Jason versus series had been in the works for a really long time since I think 87, uh-huh. 88, like both at this time in 1988, Freddie and Jason have had multiple sequels by this point and are oh, like yeah. taking over the horror genre for folks. Like people are loving it. They're buying all this franchise, uh, bullshit nonsense and all the things that come with it, like merchandising. So I think there was just like between the two studios, they couldn't get the rights to that. So that's why they linked more towards the psychic uh, angle, mm-hmm. which I think is a fun addition to it. And at this point, they really know things are just like goofy and nonsensical. Like once we get to psychics being a part of the fucking lore. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm going to respectfully disagree because <laughs> we have already like the movies have established that Jason is we can't can't get Jason down. Right. So you're already implying a supernatural element because Jason can't be killed. So if we're already in that world, why not 100% bring in the psych, like a person with telekinesis? That's the perfect foe to a thing like Jason. You're right. I think it's like, that just makes, this is the natural progression. No, you, I mean, you shut me up because that's very true, right? Like, I mean, we already found out that Jason is a demon, uh, essentially. So why not have a psychic who can take on a demon? I love this element. And I think they're also going, there's probably a lot of like, oh, the dream warriors. We'll get to that in Nightmare on Elm Street, but I think it has something to do with that as well. For sure. I do also want to point out in this movie, we have this trope of the doctor or like the male figure being kind of like being the worst. This dude sucks. Like I hate this doctor. Doctor is awful. He is literally the cause of Tina's mother's death. Like he puts her in harm's way to get away from Jason. Like, yeah. and kills Tina's mom, who's gone through so much already. So much. Tina's mom is already A plus on the cool parent meter. I was so sad. I was like, they're doing their best. Fuck this doctor. I hated that doctor so much. Yeah. I mean, comparatively to other mothers in like these series that we'll talk about. This is what I'm saying. Like, Tina's mom was really on point. Like, Tina's mom really was trying to help her daughter and had already gone through some hardships yeah. of her fucking own. And then this yeah. is how we kill her. I don't like that. I was so pissed at this doctor. He he gets it. Addition- additionally, 
I was watching the movie and I was like, that guy, that actor looks familiar. And, you know, I'm trying to like watch the movie, not Google things. But I'm like, is that the fucking teacher from Teen Witch? Is no. it? I looked oh. it up. <laughs> you, they are different you think, people. <laughs> you think a lot of people are the teacher from Teen Witch. Like, I feel like this is an ongoing thing. You're like, that's the teacher for Teen Witch. I think what that means is, is the person who plays the teacher in Teen Witch is a fucking chameleon. <laughs> I see him in every role. So he did a great job. Really quickly, as we're talking about like cast members in this, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that Tina's mom is also played by the fucking voice actress Susan Blue of the motherfucking 80s. Susan Blue, we talked about in our Mighty or Mighty Little Pony, My Little Pony episode. She did a lot of voices for them. I she did like this. 80s favorites, Jim, Transformers. Like Susan Blue was working on a lot of your favorite 80s uh, cartoon series. 13 Ghosts of Scooby Doo. We talked about that. Hell yeah. yeah I dude. love it. Love to see yeah. that. She was great. She was on our DuckTales episode too. Um, this will not be the last time we reference uh, My Little Pony in this episode. Really? Yeah, I have another My Little Pony fact, but it's for later. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. So, yeah. So, I if you're looking for, like, a campy good time, seven. Is it yeah, seven? highly yes. recommend. The New Blood is a good one to go with. Highly, yeah. highly recommend if you're looking for... I don't even think it's that scary, but we do get some, like, nice revenge on the bitchy, shitty girl. Yeah, uh, we do. Quick, quick death. Deserves it. She's been rude a whole movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's that sad nerd girl death who I felt bad about That's the one true. with the glasses. Yeah. Yeah. They had to do her like that. So after the quote unquote success, which wasn't much, on the budget of 2.8 million, this one only made 19.2 million. Okay. Um still made more than like the movie, right? Like exactly. Like still got critical... its money back. Yeah. Wasn't a great critical success. Um, so then oh, we go to One year later, 1989, with Jason Takes Manhattan, Friday 13th, Part 8. Um, this is the first Jason I have the most memories of as a kid, because oh. I definitely should not have been watching this. But sure. this is the one that like we watch regularly, because I do think it came on HBO at some point, but uh came out July 28th, 1989. And I just remember me and my brother's and my family members watching this and there are many scenes in this that we still reference today so <laughs> not saying it's my favorite but it's up there with one of my favorites i liked it i do think it should be called jason on a boat because it's mostly about <laughs> jason on a boat it's, it's like two different movies dude it's almost yes. two hours long and so like there is a whole scene most of the first half of the movie takes place on a cruise ship for high school graduates where he's just like murdering teenagers nonstop. Really nilly. It's funny. Somehow they've got now Camp Crystal or got now Crystal Lake and they are in the ocean on the way to New York for this uh trip. The second half of the movie is like the survivors of that running through Manhattan, New York, away from Jason as he pursues them. And this yeah. Patricia is where I think that you are like, I don't know. I feel like Jason was around a bunch of people in New York, but he didn't even try to kill them. Oh, good point. He did fuck people up, though. He did. He did. He was just trying to get uh, a means to the end. I think he was, like, fucking up people. Yeah, so the first, there's also a dog in this movie. We have another yeah. dog. It's been a while we since do. the dog has been featured. I think the last one was um, part four. Was part four? Yeah, yeah I think so. 
Yeah, so we have a new dog who does great things. What's his name, Patricia? Toby. Toby. Yeah, I remember you were very excited. For those of us, I don't want you to live in anticipation. The dog survives in this one. We're three for three in dogs. In the Jason <laughs> Toby Brandon. lives was the text message that I sent to Brandon. You're so excited <laughs> like, about that. Toby lives. Uh, we find him at the very end of the movie, but there's a lot of stuff that happens in the beginning part of this. Um, so we meet our main girl who is Rennie, which is a very interesting name they chose. I'm glad it's not Tina. It might be like a variation yeah. of it. Probably. But Rennie is the niece of like the principal or head miss master of this school. And she's very friendly with the English teacher who gives her Stephen King's pencil or pen. Um, she's a very More talented Stephen writer. Stephen King references. Yeah, right? And then um, it, it appears that the uncle didn't want Rennie to go on the trip. So that's like a, a level of contention between him and the teacher. But then there's also this weird scene where the teacher and one of the students is about to hook up. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Yeah. Um, and that's all the stuff that's happened on the boat. Like a bunch of people get murdered. There's a cool like music video sequence of sort of where one guy's videotaping their, their cool girl with the guitar and she gets murdered yeah. in the boiler room. Uh, there's a lot of really great stuff. There are. There definitely are. Poor Kelly Who, um, who I know from I think one of the X-Men movies. She got murdered pretty, like, just strangled on the dance floor after running around trying to get escape. Poor Jason. Yeah. And he just discarded her body like it was nothing. It was kind of rude. I will, Very rude. I will also say, like, being stuck with Jason on a boat just, like, jumped to my night, the top of my nightmare list. Because I already feel, like, very at risk on a boat. Now Mama. Jason's on it. On the ocean? Great. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just lay down. I'll just wait for him here. You wouldn't get in your... No, I wouldn't even get in the lifeboat. That's that what mean? I'm saying. To go where? To do what? But I thought it, Jason should be afraid of water. He drowned in Jason it. Jason like, should be afraid of water. That's true. Get away from me. Uh, the second half of the movie, when they're like in New York, we learned that 80s New York is very dangerous because they immediately get mugged by two people and Rini gets kidnapped, drugged, and um, almost sexually assaulted. Yeah hate it it's a very very dark scene and jason Jason saves her (laughs) yeah but he's trying to kill her too right like that's one million percent yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but he kills them Uh, first they shoot at her dog which is the scary part the dog ran away we lose toby right then but as i said before i spoiled it for you guys because i didn't want you like sitting on your seats for anticipation of whether or not the dog survived like i was that's where i was focused yeah toby lived yeah uh, oh, the scene, Patricia, uh, that my brothers and I always reference is when um, Julius, who is one of the survivors from the boat, is alone on top a rooftop. Julius is known to be like the boxer of the movie. He's been boxing <laughs> the entire time. He's like super fit, um, fights Jason, and he puts a really great effort. Like I feel like yeah, this is the does. most famous scene from this movie. Um, he's punching Jason, but he's obviously getting tired. Jason's not feeling it. And with one punch, Jason just decapitates poor Julius with his head going into the garbage can. Sucks for Julius. He went out of the blaze of glory. Like, at least you fought. You fought hard. You got off the boat. I'm already impressed. And then you were fighting him. Like, you, you, that's a hard night. You did good there, buddy. Yeah, but he still got his block knocked off, which is fucked up. Sure did. Sure did. Oh, man. 
You got anything to say about this one? More stuff? I don't think so. I This is the last one I watched. I think the next one is Jason Goes to Hell, which I might watch. Yeah. So so, funny. Jason Goes to Hell would be the next logical step in this in terms of like release. It's not my personal favorite. I'm not going to tell you why. I'd rather you explore that for yourself. Okay, great. I think what comes after that is Jason X. Yeah. Which I've only seen once and did not enjoy that at all. Okay. Not. okay. So I'm not even going to like put you through that. There's a Thank fucking you. cyborg in it or Android or something like that. It's just a lot. Um, there may be some Jason X lovers. I am not one of the. That's okay. Uh, followed by Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. Which you've seen, correct? I have seen, yeah, several times. Yeah. Maybe we'll do Freddy vs. Jason episode, but we, I think we really should go to many, if not all, the Friday 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street movies in detail one day. Sure. Like, I would love yeah. to do that. Yeah, it would be really fun. Let us know, listeners. Let us know what you want. Yeah, we can definitely go in there. I'm not giving you all the full stuff because I really do want to like deep dive because there's a lot of lore between the two and for, uh, separately that I haven't had, e- had a chance to even look into yet. Like yeah. comic series. And there's like a I- lot of behind the scenes and stuff. Which like there was is- a lot happening that we didn't get to talk about. And then there was the remake in 2009, Friday the 13th, which right. is its own universe. But we're not going to talk about those because we have another 80s classic that I would like to get into right I'm now. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, I feel like, Patricia, this may be your preferred series of the two. Nightmare on yeah, Street versus hands Frank. down. For sure. Because I remember us having the conversation while you were watching these. Um, <laughs> you were really like kind of smitten by Freddy, which is shocking to me Here's that you the problem. chose. Here's the problem. They're funnier than they have any right to be. Like that's the like that's what gets me about these movies is this even the straight people like the people who are not playing for the joke, it's still so funny, and Freddie just cracks me up, and he's brutal. Like what the thing that I love about Jason and Freddie both is the brutality, but Freddie gives it a little a little bit of sparkle, a little pizzazz, a little yuck. Like <laughs> something terrible is going to happen, but. <laughs> You'll probably laugh. And I do. You do. You do a lot. Freddie, I mean, as a kid, I was definitely more afraid of Freddie than I was Jason. Like, I found Freddie at some level more terrified because it was like, I can't control my dreams. Like, there's no way I can control if I went to summer camp. I mean, I eventually did go to summer camp, so that sucks. (laughs) No, it's just like, like, Freddie, you can't, if you're, if he's coming after you, that's it. So it's hard to get away from him. So the people who beat Freddy, I have a lot more like I'm impressed with as a they work really hard. That's you, babes. That's you. You can do it. I feel like you're the dream master. For some reason, Ooh. because I'm because we're cowards, the Simpsons Friday Nightmare on Elm Street uh Treehouse of Horror episode. Have you seen it, Brandon? Oh, hundred percent. We t- covered it on our um That's right. I think so. Um, go check out our Simpsons Halloween episode special. Um, but even that would scare the shit out of me. And that was just like a parody of it. And I was just already scared. Dude, it I mean, quite honestly though, like anything dream related, because it is so yeah. unknown, you can't really control it, is inherently more scary than like an actual well, I don't want to say that because an actual serial murderer 
after you who is unstoppable like literally unstoppable is pretty terrifying and these uh, movies also kind of prey on that fear of like of somebody thinking that you have a mental illness that you don't have or somebody thinking you're sick in a way that you're not sick and not believing you that's a terrible like that gets me in the gut every time yeah way more psychologically like terrifying yeah Um, exactly because like you get away from jason you get away from jason that's the end don't go ever back don't go back to crystal lake ever again okay (laughs) unless he's in manhattan for like a vacation (laughs) or manhattan yeah a day trip he's in hell now is he maybe so nightmare on elm street first was introduced to the american public on november 9th 1984 so we're almost on a 40-year anniversary as of next year for nightmare on elm street which is wild to think about um it was written directed by the late great Wes Craven. We know him for a lot of great things that he did. Um, this entire, or the Nightmare on Elm Street um, first movie, as well as New Nightmare, the Scream series. Like, he really just delivered in terms of horror movies. Yeah, so, he's like the 2000, like, 2000s horror movies. It's Wes Craven. 90s and 2000s and 80s. But we all know who Wes Craven is. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so this came out in 1984. Uh, this is this movie is known to have um, Johnny Depp in his film debut. There's lots of stuff that happens to this. I think it's one of the more classic horror films of all For time. Sure. Like if you know anything about 80s horror, you've definitely seen this. And I'm glad Patricia had already seen this before we had, decided yeah. this project. Like you had seen the homework. You yep. know that we have um, a couple teenagers, uh, one of which, whose name is Tina. <laughs> uh, she awakens from a nightmare, and uh, she has a friend named Nancy. Nancy Thompson's going to be our main lead in this movie, our heroine, Last Girl Standing. Her boyfriend is Johnny Depp, who's in this movie. His name is Glenn. Um, and then another really handsome dude who's Tina's boyfriend. They're all friends together. Tina ends up getting murdered while they're having a sleepover. Nancy's dad is the police chief and that kind of muddles things. And uh-huh. Nancy slowly learns of this mythos of a man named Fred Krueger, who who her parents and other people's parents who lived on the same street decided to get um, revenge on because he was a pedophile murderer and killed a lot of the kids on the street, got away on a technicality. And he cursed these people, and now he's killing their children in their dreams. That is the premise to the first Freddy, or excuse me, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, which is absolutely fucking terrifying. There's so many layers of this that are just like creepy, weird, and way more disturbing than Jason. And the juxtaposition between Freddy just always being evil and having no redeemable qualities as uh, a human compared to Jason being a young kid who was innocent and died. Yeah. Yeah. Freddy's an asshole. He's the worst. Which, again, makes you love this movie. Um, we This movie's a lot more, comparatively to the movies that, uh, comparatively to the sequels after this, this one's a little bit more tonally serious, like really darker. Uh, mm-hmm. We still get like these weird elements and things like that with uh, Freddy in the dream world, kind of cracking jokes. But he's way more terrifying in yeah. this one than really the later sequels because I feel like there's a level of humor that Freddy adds and he still has it here but there's still like this unknown of Freddy you're like oh wow this motherfucker is terrifying like 
a dream where some man standing in an alleyway with gigantic arms coming towards you, that would freak me the fuck out. Yeah. I think it's... So just the premise itself is really scary. And then the Wes Craven and like the art direction of the original Nightmare on Elm Street was so effective at like setting a tone. Like you saw it and you remembered it. The kills were not like anything we had seen before. Like you remember those nightmares. Like you remember how Johnny Depp gets killed in that movie. Yeah. And then Tina on the ceiling and stuff like that. Just getting pulled across. Poor Tina. Poor Tina. Tina. Nancy witnesses all her friends get murdered off one by one. And so she decides to take, once her mom tells her the story of Freddie, she decides to take action. And she plans on bringing Freddie into the real world and killing that motherfucker once and for all. So she sets up a trap in her dreams and she brings Freddie home uh, out of her dreams physically. And they have a pretty badass fight. Pretty uh, badass fight. You know, like Nancy's pretty smart and she's only like a 16 year old girl fighting this terrifying demon monster thing. I'm just saying. Hardcore. Nancy is tough. Nancy. I know. Um, I really like Heather Langenkamp who plays Nancy. Did you ever watch Just the Ten of Us? No, I don't think so. Is it like it a step by step? Ish. It was a, I think it was a Growing Pain spinoff where the P coach who's the dad has like 10 kids or eight kids Gosh. mostly girls there may be one boy but I think it's like all girls Heather Lane cat was one of the daughters I think she was like the nerdy smart one I can't remember there was a bunch of them it's been a while since I watched just the two of us and I kind of want to find it if it's anywhere online it's pretty it it was like a fever dream for me but I used to watch well, it here's the thing I can tell you that Heather also was a voice on my little pony Oh my gosh, you're right. Um, I can also tell you that Heather starred in a made-for-TV movie about Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. She played Nancy Kerrigan. Of course. My family had tape recorded that my mom loves ice skating. Uh, she had a lot of feelings about Tanya and Nancy. So we recorded this made-for-TV movie and we would watch it all the time. And when I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, I was like, that's Nancy fucking Kerrigan from tanya versus nancy or whatever the fuck that movie's called so i hope that heather knows that i recognize her first as nancy kerrigan and then secondly as nancy oh my god two nancys um <laughs> oh my gosh that's right i can totally see i mean she looks like nancy kerrigan from what i remember like a great she adaptation looks just like her it's wild who played tanya harding i the person did not ring any bells for me i can't remember her name but i did look up the because I was was worried I was misremembering. I was like, no, that is her. Yes. For the record, I think that Nancy Kerrigan uh, got way more sympathy than she deserved during that altercation. And I think Tanya Harding was dealt a bullshit hand. Whoa. For the record. Wow. You said that. I did not. I really want to put that no. out to Nancy Kerrigan. Send us an email, uh, Tanya. Let's talk. I'll have you on the show. What kind of movies do you like? <laughs> um... <laughs> You know she fucking loves these movies. You know that Tanya Harding fucking loves Nightmare on Elm Street. You know it. Oh, 100%. 100%. Also, another great thing about this movie, like we keep talking about like the tone of it, the music is great. Yes. I really like the music in Nightmare on Elm Street. Like it's very creepy, but it's, you when you hear it, you're like, that's Nightmare on Elm Street music. Yeah, for sure. The creepy ghost kids 
is an element that's going to continue throughout all these movies. And I feel bad because I, I think they're the victims of Freddy, like the younger yeah. victims. And it's sad. Like we're, It's really it's sad. Creepy. We also get that really cool nursery rhyme. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Everybody knows it. He should. Or don't. Just don't even think about it. Don't say it at your house when you're alone at night. I'm going to call Patricia from a no, you better number not. and whisper that. Or I'm just <laughs> I will have to pay the kids in your neighborhood. Like, hey, guys, would y'all like that? Sounds creepy. I'm not giving out candy to that. Never mind. No scratch mm-hmm. that idea. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about Nightmare on M Street 2. This is a one that <laughs> is very gay coded. I mean, it's queer coded for real. Like the main character, Jesse, to me, seems like a closeted or not even closeted, but just a gay who hasn't come out yet. Um, he definitely has a crush on his friend Rob. One million percent. Ron. I called him Rob. My bad. But Ron's <laughs> hot. I get it. I totally get it. And poor Lisa, um, the girl who is in love with Jesse and is not catching any of the signs that Jesse is a homosexual. So I thought because I already kind of had this in my brain when I watched it. Um, I thought Lisa was like at the beginning, I thought Lisa was being a hashtag ally. She was like, no, we just tried to school together. Like I thought like, first I was like, Lisa, you're doing okay. But then no, she did not understand. She did not get it. No, it was the eighties. But for the plot of this movie, it's a couple years, I think, after Nancy and her friends all have their traumatizing experience with Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. and Jesse and his family move into Nancy's house where they then, well, Jesse discovers Nancy's, uh, what is it, a diary? Diary. And him and Lisa read through it and a lot of spooky, scary stuff is happening as Freddy's trying to possess <laughs> Jesse is what I think is happening. And it's I very gay. So. That's gay. And then also the gay death of the gym coach who is a bdsm um leather daddy who you know is just for some reason going go ahead i was gonna say what's our main character's name again jesse jesse that there's like basically a shower scene between them like that's not even gay coded like that's just gay shit then i also thought like when jesse and freddie interact freddie is very tender to jesse it's like a soft touch on Jesse's face. It's Ew. like, whoa, it's a whole other side to Freddy. <laughs> I mean, Freddy is a a pervert. Like, I mean, yeah. a pedophile. Like, yeah, I feel like a lot of times, especially like in the other movies that we're going to talk about, there are levels of Freddy, like being very sexual with yeah. his victims before he does. Sure. You know what I mean? Like he For makes sure. out with them and sucks their breath out. He's just very... I don't know. He's very touchy-feely with his uh, murder victims, yes. which really weirds me out. Um, something else that I loved about this movie is that all of the parents are very old. Like, the two actors who are playing Jesse's parents are in their, like, late 60s. <laughs> Bro, I was like, damn, Jesse, your parents, are these your grandparents who adopted you after your mom went away? Right? Like, And then there's, like, a little, he has, like, a little sister who's, like, under 10. I was like, these parents be fucking... But then they couldn't fight one bird. I feel like five humans against one bird, the humans should win. Yeah, bro. Uh, there's a demon bird scene or a possessed bird scene in here. And it would not take much for anything in my family, like my dogs, my cats, to attack a bird in this house. Me too. That bird would be dead. Yeah, give me give me a flash water. That bird's out of here. Well, mom had a broom. A human plus a broom should always beat a bird. 
<laughs> I don't know about those odds. Like just one bird? What's the size of a bird? Like a broom and an ostrich, I feel like it's not going to be a no, fair fight. of course not. But a broom and a fucking parakeet, like the broom should win, is all I'm saying. Uh, really creative kills again in this movie. I really The whole like last scene at the pool party is really kind of chef kiss. Really made me laugh. And then also there's like a dream nightmare involving a school bus. And I literally just watched Trick or Treat. So the school bus scared the fuck out of me. I don't know what it is about school buses, but they can be a scary place because it's like yeah. you give up all your control on it. I don't know. Yeah, to a stranger. You don't know who's driving this bus. It's Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger. And he's definitely drunk. He's definitely drunk. <laughs> well, he definitely does not have an up-to-date driver's license. I can tell that, you that much. Yeah, that's the least of our concerns with him driving you. Mm-hmm. But I was glad okay. that I watched it because it was a fun nightmare. Like it was a fun nightmare on the street uh, entry. So I was glad to watch it. Yeah, it's a classic one. Um, I didn't realize that it was so heavily queer until like uh, my adult years because I never actually saw this one until I was an adult. For some mm-hmm. reason, I never saw like this one as a kid compared to like Dream Warriors, which we'll talk about next, and a couple other ones. Like I had seen mm-hmm. those a lot more. Right. So two years later, we have Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Um, this is my personal favorite one. Same. This is, yeah, dude, this is the beginning of some cool Freddy lore. And also kind of goes a little bit more to the comedy edge of Freddy. Like we see a little it bit more does. like fantasy, mystical elements in this, than, more so than what we've seen in the past two. Mm-hmm. We, we get like a cool group of teens together um i also really love 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 uh the cover art for this like the theatrical release i do too some of those characters are not in the movie i have no idea who those are great (laughs) i do think the one closest to you is supposed to be nancy kincaid but the other two maybe one's loosely supposed to be the character taryn but doesn't look like it i don't know i don't know who any of those people are they are not in the movie but there are several pretty talented people in this movie like Patricia Arquette is there. She's fantastic. Like this is her not even first joking role. around. She's really good. She plays the like main girl, and I think she's really good at it. Yeah. Like, uh, and Arquette, then the other the, the other teenagers are also all good too. Yeah, Patricia Arquette plays Kristen Parker, who is like the main heroine for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a few years. Oh no, it's supposed to be set one year after what happened uh, in part two, but we open up to Kristen making like this paper mache version of 1428 Elm Street, the Nancy Thompson house that's dilapidated. And she goes in there and she meets like the creepy ghost kids and she gets her first glimpse of Freddy Krueger. She did not want to go to sleep. So apparently this has been happening for a while for her because it is um, trigger warning, um, self-harm, their self-harm, um Mm -hmm. that gets Kristen admitted into a psychiatric hospital uh we learn her mom sucks we we learn that Kristen has one of the worst moms in movie history like I put her up there with the mom and precious I'm not even joking like she's no literally terrible terrible mother she's really bad like she's really piss poor and just doesn't seem to care about her daughter's well-being at all Patricia and I have talked ad nauseum about this, so we're going to dive into it. This isn't like a judgment on um, anything, 
but this character it's wild to think that like you are your teenage daughter who does not want to go to sleep like you are seeing her obviously struggle with something and you have no concern you're mad at her because you want to have a dude over to fuck and she's keeping you up and you're mad about it just first of all if you care that much just go fuck fuck that kid number one number two Kristen is in all other ways you guys Kristen is an ideal child she's not lying she's not out in the streets she's just telling you she's afraid like she was afraid to sleep that is like a pretty clear indicator that something is wrong here mom like the mom thinks she's faking and that's so asinine to me yeah dude um so after her that that attempt she gets into the psychiatric hospital where we meet um dr neil gordon who is uh the main doctor at the hospital some old lady who sucks and then as Kristen is like being admitted she freaks out when they say they're going to like put her under to go to sleep so she steals a scalpel and she's like backed in the corner about the stab orderlies and shit Kristen's ready Kristen is fucking ready she's like let's go she starts singing um the nursery rhyme the freddie nursery rhyme to herself and then in comes none other than nancy fucking thompson from the first movie who finishes the nursery rhyme and calms Kristen down hugs her and um this is a great entrance for nancy we you know what i mean like really dynamic uh yeah way to bring the situation down a little bit uh some uh some negotiation skills it's pretty good nancy like for your first day on the job like imagine if you're having this mental break and then someone is in the break like knows what's going on like what a lifeboat that is like you would feel immediately at ease yeah you would yeah i would think so we then kind of get like some character development between um nancy and dr gordon of how what nancy's been doing she's obviously a intern for a psychiatric hospital at this point so she's somehow been able to suppress freddie from getting to her dream she's been taking like uh pills she's basically telling the doctors that like these kids are not safe they're in a bad place but doctor kind of like brushes her off and then he introduces uh her to the rest of the kids in the facility um in like a group therapy session and we meet uh, a bunch of people. We got Kincaid. He's kind of like a loud mouth, tough guy. Uh, we get Jennifer, who says she wants to be a television actress. We meet Will, who is in a wheelchair after, um, I think he jumped out of a window. I think like after a suicide attempt, yeah. It left yeah. Him paralyzed. Um, Taryn, who's a recovering drug addict. And then we have Joey, who is so traumatized, he doesn't speak. And I think I miss Philip as well. Philip is the sleepwalker. Philip's kind of hot. I'm, I'm just throwing it yeah. out there. Um, but we all get introduced to them during this group therapy session since it's both Nancy and Kristen's first day. Um, so yeah, we meet the rest of the people and we kind of get an investment in these characters because they're all suffering the same thing but being told they're wrong. Like I think, I can't believe it was, I think it was Philip who brought it up. He's like, we have never met each other before and we've all been suffering from the same thing, but they're telling us that we're not group psychosis. And even though we have similar stories and had never met each other until today, which I would complete strangers. We're total strangers. I mean, I get it. You're a doctor. So you got to think logically, you wouldn't think like a dream demons after folks, but it would be very strange if strangers throughout the city were just like having the same nightmare over and over and telling you about it. 
Exactly. There has to be some sort of influence. So it's fine if you like, okay, you don't think there's a demon chasing us in our dream. What is your narrative then? Like, are we all consuming lead or something? Like, <laughs> you need to propose another hypothesis because we already have a hypothesis that we are all going with. And just telling me you're wrong is not a good enough argument. I mean, I'm right there with you, right? Like, y'all aren't doing your patients any good by denying exactly their reality and addressing exactly. it. There's a lot of like blaming and saying weird stuff. I don't. I mean, I haven't been to therapy in a long time. I need to go back. Uh, it's been tough since I moved, but it's just like some of this stuff isn't assuring and reaffirming. Maybe you yeah. don't need that. Yeah. Um, so after Kristen gets settled in, uh, we then see Freddie's first attempt at one of the Elm Street kids who are staying in the psychiatric hospital. I should also point out that Freddie's like MO throughout this entire thing is revenge specifically on the children of the parents of Elm Street who murdered him prior to the first movie. Exactly. So that's what I meant earlier when I said like Freddie has like Freddie has a list of people that he's attacking. So it's a little bit easier to avoid him as long as you're not on that list. Yeah, for the time being. But for it's the like time being, yeah. Another element that makes Kristen's mom's terrible is that she already has lost a child to oh Freddie. Presumably, right. presumably, like that is kind of like implied. Oh I think God. that all of them have lost older siblings. And they are the remaining ones of the Elm Street kids. So Kristen's mom's like, damn, bitch, your one last daughter, you can't like you not don't give a shit somebody. at all, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a parent. So don't don't me come either. at me. <laughs> I just I feel like my priorities would be a little different. That's just me. Um, so Philip is awoken out of his dream. Well, Philip is the first victim we see him um being puppeteered literally quite literally yeah. by freddie in philip's dream where he uses his veins as like puppet strings which is really it's wild awful. yeah it's awful it's and everyone else sees philip as the person who's like um sleepwalking and freddie unfortunately kills philip yeah what in looks, front of everybody you know, in front of everybody the entire staff uh All joey the kids joey no, Kincaid was Philip's roommate, but Joey had seen him sleepwalking. And since Joey doesn't talk, he couldn't get anybody to come and help him. Exactly. He, so obviously there's another trauma therapy session between the group to talk about what happened with Philip. Again, this is where I feel like the doctors are shaming the kids and blaming Philip for committing suicide, which is they fucked are. up. It's wild. They then yeah. like, they then take Kincaid and threaten to sedate him because he's getting out of hand. Um, and Nancy's trying to like talk to the doctor to help him come up with a plan like to give them hypnosil this uh, this kind of like experimental drug that suppresses dreams we then see like one of the other kids Jennifer she's staying up late trying to watch late night tv she wants to be an actor in LA she's like smoking cigs burning herself to stay <laughs> up uh, this is the most iconic murder I think iconic. in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise don't you think yeah this is the one where I asked, or excuse me, prior to me like telling her <laughs> anything, I said, when you watch three, I want you to I want you to pick out what you think is the most iconic line in the movie. And we all agreed on this. Uh so if 
you're a horror fan, you know that Jennifer unfortunately meets her demise by being uh, grabbed by Freddie, who has turned into like a murderous television set and shoves her head into the TV set. But before he says that, he says, welcome to primetime, bitch, which was an ad lib by Robert England, which is absolutely fantastic. Genius. It, it is a great, it's a great line before you great line. girl who is, I feel bad for her. I feel bad for uh, Jennifer didn't do nothing to nobody. She didn't. Not really wanted to just know trying to watch like, Johnny Carson. <laughs> just trying to watch Carson. Was it Jaja Gabor? Was that Jaja Gabor? Or Ava? Jaja, I think. Yes, because she slapped the cop. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a, another group session where Nancy uh, hypnotizes everybody and releases like these latent dream powers where these guys are dream warriors. They all have their powers and they relay them back what they think of Kincaid strong um Kristen 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 can do gymnastics but she also has the ability to pull people in her dreams so she's like the key to everything how uh Nancy wants them to fight Freddie let me tell you this sidebar if you can pull people in your dreams do not pull me into your nightmares I will hate you for life do not pull me into a Freddy Krueger nightmare to help you fight I do not want to be in your dream at all. I don't <laughs> care what kind of dream it is. I got my own shit going on. I do not want to be in your dream. I definitely do not want to be in your nightmare. I am not going to add anything to your fight about with Freddy Krueger. Like, it would make me furious. Do not do that, Kristen. I will bury you in cement. Don't do it. The rest of the kids have some cool powers as well. I wonder what Phillips and Jennifer's would have been. We don't get that. Yeah. They're dead. And there's also one unnamed student that had died a month earlier. Um, right. don't know who that is but Taryn she becomes bad punk girl with uh, switchblades mm-hmm. love that um, love it love a switchblade Lil is able to walk out in his dreams and he's also like a powerful wizard kind of of the Dungeons and Dragon world since that's a game he plays all the time mm-hmm. uh, we don't really know what Joey's power is because Joey runs off and um, gets taken by Freddy and yeah goes into a coma as the sucky nurse doctor lady comes in and really yells at everybody because everybody's on the floor asleep and uh, Joey in the real world is actually like comatose. So this leads to a firing between uh, the doctor and Nancy. And so there's this conflict of how are we going to save these kids now that we don't work there? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nancy devises a plan and they have Kristen pull everybody into their dream and they fight Freddy. Um, I do. A lot of them die. I get really yeah. upset about this because I was really attached to these characters. Uh, Taryn's death, where he overdoses her with the needles in her arms. I hate. I that. hated it. I hate. I hated it. that. I was like, "Fucking Taryn, it. dude!" The first time I saw that, I was like, "No, why Taryn? She was my favorite." And I did feel like it was coming. Like I feel like that when that when that finally happened, I was like, "Well, there that is. God damn it!" Like I was, it was a bummer. Hit to punch in the gut. It is. I mean, Will's death was really sad too. Yeah. Like him, him going. All the Dream Warrior kids prior to them getting like to fight Freddy, like he separated them. He knew that like if he separated yeah. them, he can get them. And that's fucking sucks. There are some great scenes where we meet like Freddy Krueger's mother, who is Amanda Krueger, who is a nun as well. That's like the surprise in this movie. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> that wasn't some Sister Mary Helena. She, um, uh, tells them how to try to stop Freddy and they have to apparently take his bones and bury them or some shit like that. 
and they go in the dream <laughs> world lots of battling uh some of the lots people of survive unfortunately nancy is not one of them she dies so is her dad in this one returning characters yeah um but yeah this is one of my favorite ones I it's really, really good mythos um it's wild that I really like the kind of like fantasy element, but I did like the empowerment of I did like these victims. You know what I mean? Like, all right, I, did I have too. something to fight you with. And it's like, it's an acknowledgement of the universe, right? Like it's a dream world. So there should be some fantasy part of it. Like it was just really well done. I'm, I'm firm. Like if I'm going to recommend two movies to listeners, I'm recommending Friday the 13th too. And I'm recommending um, this uh, Freddy 3. Those are my two recommendations. What's great about this too though is it was like I want to call it like the hair metal Freddy. Uh, do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> like the theme song Dream Wars was saying by the yeah. uh, metal band Dokken and there's just a lot of just like metal music throughout mm-hmm. all this. It's really fun. It's, it's true. Fun. Dream Warriors! That's not how it goes but that's how I would sing it. It's Brandon's remix. So a year, wait, hold on, a year later? Yes. So this was a success. I mean, for a horror movie at the time. Did some great numbers. We didn't get a sequel, obviously. Cost nothing to make. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make some more money off this. We get a nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Dream Master. Um, this is a fantasy slasher, as one would call it again. We still get those elements of like the dream warriors in this. We have three returning characters. Um, Kristen Parker, who is actually played by a different actress now. She is played by Tuesday Night. That's a cool name. That is a cool name. This movie is also directed by a director we've talked about before, Rennie Harlan, who directed A Long Kiss Goodnight. Um, Robert England. Notoriously cheated on a pregnant Gina Davis. Yeah, we're not fans of Rennie Harlan. I do like this movie. And the other movie yeah. you made, but I'm not a fan of you particularly, sir. Like, fuck you. No. Yeah. Robert England returns as Freddy Krueger. We, um, Roland Kincaid is back. So is Joey, the character. We learned in the last movie that Joey's power is like to scream really loudly. Like, I guess, like he's a banshee. Like a banshee. Like that. That's kind of what I got from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a case. Um, but they're all in high school now. Um, Kristen, Kincaid, and Joey are going to the same school. Uh, they're out of the mental health facility since they beat Jason. This is a year after what happened before. So they're like adjusting normally. Yeah, doing pretty good. Yeah, right? Until Kristen has another nightmare and she's sees that she's in Freddie's boiler room and she instinctively calls Joey and Kincaid in her dream. But they're like, Kristen, it's not even on. The boiler's not on. Freddie's not coming back. We don't have to worry about anything. Stop pulling us into your dreams. You have your own life. We're at school. Stop doing this. We don't want to think about this anymore. And rightfully so. One million percent. Um, we also meet Kristen's other friends, her boyfriend, Rick. Uh, he knows martial arts. His sister, Alice, who's kind of sheepish and shy. Uh, we also have another nerdy girl, Sheila. Uh, she is a nerd who has asthma. Like She is really, really smart. A nerd who has glasses and asthma. <laughs> it's that stereotype. Debbie, she has big hair, uh, like rocker hair, but she's athletic mm-hmm. and she lifts, she lifts weights. Um, she does not like 
bugs, particularly roaches, for some reason. That's a big story point. And then um, we also meet Alice's crush, Dan, who is very handsome, who's friends with Rick. But um, they don't really hang out that much. Unfortunately, our three returning... Unfortunately, our three remaining dream warriors and the last remaining Elm Street kids don't last very long in this movie. Roland's the first to succumb. He has a dog who I think resurrects Freddy by peeing on his grave with fire, which is really weird. Joey ends up dying. Uh, I was really sad to see both of them die within like the first few minutes of the movie, which was just like, oh, man. Um, Kristen finds out about it the next day when neither of them are at school. Joey's death is very reminiscent to Johnny Depp's death in the first yeah. movie, like with the waterbed. Yeah. yeah. Um, the waterbed effect is really well done. Like that's a good scene. Yeah, man, waterbeds were super eighties. That's so mm-hmm. well. And then Kristen's mom, the fucking worst. Dude, Kristen God finds out her friends it. are murdered. And definitely from the murderer that she's been running from for the past year. Uh, so she's stressing like a motherfucker gets home, gets poisoned literally by her mother uh, with sleeping pills in her food and water to get her to go sleep. She's worried about her. She needs she needs to rest. She is that is that's murder, too. <laughs> she's played by the same woman. I hate I her. Hope she went to jail. I, I hope she went to jail. So unfortunately, this is the catalyst for our main heroine from the last movie, um, Kristen, to be murdered by Freddy. Um, Freddy finds her. He's like, you're the last one, bitch. I got you. I win. Uh, Right before he's about to kill her, she pulls her friend Alice into the dream. And Freddy throws her into the boiler, killing her. But before she dies, she passes her power through Freddy to Alice. And so Alice now has the power to pull people into her dreams. Um, it did go through Freddy, so that has like some weird connection as well. Yeah. Kristen dies. Alice wakes up in the real world, is like, what the fuck? So she finds like this postcard that confirms what she saw was real, which is another weird element. Like Freddy's able to like put stuff in the real world. Like, eh, I don't know. Um, but they run her and her brother Rick run to Kristen's house to see that her room's ablaze, completely on fire, and her mom also sees it and is devastated. Now, hope, bitch, your fault. It's your fault. Your fault. Your fault. You're the worst. And if they find sleeping pill drugs in that girl's system, you're going to jail, Kristen's mom. Going to jail. They're going to immediately think you did it. You don't have a good track record. But at the same time, the mom can be like, "Oh, well, you know, she was upset, and you know, she's had difficult mental health in the past." So she'll just blame it on Kristen. She's like, oh, Kristen took those pills herself. What an awful bitch. Anyways, everybody's really upset, obviously. Uh, Rick's upset. Alice is upset. They just lost a friend in a horrible way. Um, And it's just going to keep coming, y'all. The the hits just keep coming. I think the (laughs) next one is Sheila, another character who's very sympathetic. Hated it. Sheila didn't do nothing to nobody. Sheila was going to be a doctor. They said it. Sheila has like another iconic death scene. I feel like a lot of the deaths in this movie are very iconic in my personal opinion. Poor Sheila, who has asthma, is sucked to death by Freddy. This is a really weird way it's to fucked die. Up. He sucks her to like a mummified corpse and she dies in the real world by having an asthma attack. And yeah, fuck you, Freddy, for killing Sheila. Like she was kind. 
you didn't have to do that. So this is kind of what I'm saying, especially for comparing the two franchises. Friday the 13th is great, and I love it for what it is. But Nightmare on Elm Street, especially the sequels, in my opinion, the they're very creative. Like, for lack of a better word, the Freddy kills are always going to be an event. Like, they're always really well thought out and well executed. I don't know. I just give it credit is the wrong word, but there's something there. Yeah, dude. It, it's wild. It's just a wild. It's wild. <laughs> um, more friends die. Rick dies in a really badass karate scene fighting Freddy. Um, one really interesting thing that happens with all the people's death, their quote unquote powers or gifts are giving to Alice. Alice becomes much smarter. She's a genius after Sheila dies. Uh, after Rick dies, she develops his karate skills yeah and she can she, do a roundhouse kick and shit i yeah, love bro. this this is the my Nunchaku favorite part scene. of this movie yeah the collage of her just like yeah that that's stunt a really double. interesting way to do that like to be like okay these kids are dying but the like that's i don't know i really liked that aspect of the story that she started like absorb the other kids yeah unfortunately all her friends have to die to give her powers which is but i do like the idea that they're like help us alice yeah, sense, yeah you know what i mean i don't know if that's yeah. intentional uh i haven't done enough research on this one to know if like the the victims of freddie are actively giving her those powers or mm-hmm. is it like she's just able to through kristen's power? i don't know i don't either but i like it i like it either way her brother dies gives her the karate like we said um and then after that happens like the remaining kids dan debbie and Alice decided to devise a plan to fight Freddy um, and they're going to meet at Debbie's house but there's this really cool scene where Alice falls asleep but wakes up and then they're stuck in a time loop trying to get to Debbie's house. It just keeps happening mm-hmm. over and over. Uh, Robert England said that's like one of his favorite scenes in the series. Um, poor Debbie dies lifting weights and gets transformed to a giant fucking cockroach and squished. It's Yuck, an imaginative that. death. Weird but imaginative. That's what I'm saying. That's so wild. But he, yeah, the deaths in this are a lot more, I don't want to say cartoonish, but they kind of are, some of them. They're like over the top. Like they're, yeah, they are almost cartoonish. So she did, she gets Sheila's strength, I think, is what she gets from Sheila. She gets something from Sheila. Uh, or excuse me, Bet Debbie. She gets something from Debbie in that sense. <laughs> I think it's like strength. Yeah, but I think so too. After her last friend dies, Alice is not having it. She decides that she's going to whoop Freddie's ass. She, she <laughs> yes. devises a plan with Dan, who ends up getting into like an accident. Um, he gets woken up by surgeon, so he's not able to help Alice. Alice faces Freddie alone. That's that's pretty badass. That's what you're I'm fighting. Saying. Alice is the shit. And she's actively the only person who has fought Freddy at this point. I feel yeah. like maybe Kincaid, um, Kincaid maybe, but Freddy yeah, and Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. And Nancy, don't let me take it away from both Kincaid and Nancy. Yeah. They are, but Alice is coming at him with some karate chops. She's just like whooping that ass. Um, and I feel like she's been really thrust into this. She's very new to the Freddy mythos. So she like where Nancy had several movies to or, like be mad at Freddy. Alice is new and she's still like, oh, I'm fixing the fuck this. We're done. We're ending this. And I love that. I will say, I just, 
I don't know. I not that we didn't need. I just hate the fact that we had to kill off three characters that I really like I for agree. this. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like couldn't this role have gone to Kristen? Do you know what I mean? Like, could yeah, she 100%. have like absorbed all these people's powers instead? Since that was her, at least have Kristen be the, like the last remaining one. But I do like Alice as a character. And her, she does recur, like come back in mm-hmm. a couple. It is in one sequel. I don't know about, mm-hmm. sequels, but in like the comics and stuff like that, I think she plays a really major role. Um, but I do like Alice. She's she's a great heroine. I do say, you know, this is using the word realistic with either of these stories is foolish, but a lot of people do be die. Like people do die. Like you know, it yeah. it makes it it keeps the stakes higher. That makes, I mean, that is 100% true. Like, the stakes are a lot higher when we lose, like, oh, yeah. we lost, like, our main heroine twice now uh, in these yeah. movies. Yeah. That's wild. Oh, my gosh. She was in the TV show Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, Lisa Wilcox. Oh, that's fun. She played Missy. Lisa, love your work. Can you introduce me to Keanu Reeves? <laughs> All right. Next up in our dream trilogy. Like, I mean, I know this entire movie is its own series, but I feel like three, four, and five are their own movies because it's all about like the dream, whatever, the dream warriors, the dream master, and this one is the dream child. Yeah. Like, I feel like these are yeah. all their own. Yeah, I hear that. I could hear that for sure. This one is very interesting because uh, it's only a year after the events that Alice and Dan went through with all their friends being murdered. They're graduating high school with their new group of friends, which I'm like, I'm like, did you guys know each other junior year? Like, <laughs> did you guys just get really close this year? Also, hey, Alice, I heard you beat the boogeyman. Let's be best friends. No, I'm giving Alice a very, or is her name Alice or Tina? <laughs> They're all fucking uh, it's named Alice. Tina. Alice. that um i'm giving her a wide berth i am not like going to the mall with alice i'm gonna let her <laughs> and dan hang out on their own i am not i'm not ready for that kind of friendship that's what i'm saying like i would assume that you guys would be like man alice had a rough go last year a lot of people around her remember when everyone around alice died <laughs> what's it that's yeah i mean several students the year before died like several students yeah that to me would be a red flag. I'd be like, man, maybe this school isn't what I thought it was supposed to be. <laughs> maybe we just don't know that this school is actually Sunnydale High. <laughs> that part. Jude, I don't know how Sunnydale maintained as many students as it did over the years because it was like 15 people dying a day. At what point is it parental neglect? Because I kind of <laughs> feel like these parents are to blame. Like, I oh mean, yeah, one out of every 20 teenagers dies in this town. Mysteriously. We don't unsolve the murder. <laughs> I mean, it is parental, like the parents' fault. Well, actually, no, yeah. it's not because these kids aren't the dream, um, dream. Oh, that's uh, true. <laughs> or Elm Street kids. Let's say Dream Street kids. Yeah, that's a that's totally true. different thing. Um, so this one, we meet a new group of kids. Dan and Alice are an item in this, and we meet like I think three or four new new characters. We have Debbie. Nope, that was the last movie. <laughs> Wait, no, Debbie. No, Debbie was in the last movie. My bad. 
so we have Yvonne. She is mm-hmm. the uh, school best friend of Alice. She's also the person who is doing multiple things outside of school. She has a full-on career as a uh, high diver for school. And she's also a candy striper. Is that what it is? Or a nursing assistant in the hospital? Yeah. Yeah, Yvonne's everywhere in this movie. She is like... Um, plays a major role in this and helping finding Amanda Kruger's spirit and letting her loose, which I'm like, what? Did we not watch the last movie? Wasn't she like in the last movie? I don't know. Uh, then we have Greta. Greta's character and her death are pretty dope. Um, she is a teen model and her mom is very strict on Greta in terms of like trying to get Greta to be famous as a model, trying to get her connected with people at dinner parties and stuff. <laughs> She's got a real Brittany Murphy mom. Whoa, dude. She does. She has a she has a stage mom. Yeah. We have Dan, who is again Alice's love interest. And spoiler alert, the father to her baby, her Yay. baby daddy. He impregnates her. Um, and then he dies. Like he dies yeah, of a course. Really weird, like motorcycle scene death where he becomes one with his motorcycle. And that's one of the that scene is embedded in my head i remember watching yeah. that as a kid and i was like wow this is really fucking weird this is really weird oh and there's also another friend who's into comic books um he's there and then we also meet alice's creepy baby as an adult not as an adult but like a, a kid it's weird jacob yeah the kid who plays jacob is terrifying i think he's been yeah. in a couple other things and he's always absolutely terrifying and everything he plays <laughs> Some really cool scenes, or this one also has some like really heavy hitting stuff. Like after Dan dies, his parents try to come and take Alice's baby from her. She's Literally, like, yeah, which was wild. It's they were weird. Like, I mean, I get it. This is a teenager who's just now graduated high school and has her whole world in front of her. But you're gonna be like, I'm coming to take your baby. I'm sorry. Doesn't make sense. This is my least favorite of the series is this episode is this movie really can you yeah. tell me why so baby stuff you're almost always gonna lose me especially <laughs> when it's like baby stuff connected to freddy freaking Krueger. like this is just a downer like i just i don't want to use the word fun to describe these movies but it's just not as much fun as the others i get that i mean it's kind of also terrifying that your baby is the source of these dreams where freddy is coming into and you can't control that. That's scary. I get hate that. Hate that. Hate that. Baby Freddy Krueger. Yeah, there's also a, a Freddy Krueger baby puppet that plays a big role in this. I guess it's not a puppet in terms of the movie, but in real life, it's definitely a puppet. And it yeah. is disgusting looking. Yeah, don't like it. Don't like it whatsoever. It's wild. Um, Freddy comes back. One thing I did like about this. Um, you know how at the end of part four, spoiler alert, folks, for those who ain't watch it, he is murdered by Alice in the church. Right. He comes back to life in the exact same church in this yeah. one. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool, callback. I mean, I guess oh, for then it wasn't that big of a deal because <laughs> it was like probably a year or less than a year after they filmed that they read <laughs> this. Right. But watching it, I was like, oh my God, that's right. He is at the same same uh, church and shit like that. Right um greta's death scene in this was super fucking weird um freddie fed her a doll yeah 
overfed her and she choked in front of everybody. Was Greta's mom at the dinner table giving you Lydia Dietz's mom? Uh, Delia Dietz. <laughs> yes, Delia Dietz. Like Icon she, Delia Dietz. Yeah. She had the same color hair and the same did. outfit. And they were at like a dinner, 80s dinner party. So I was like, oh my God, this is so Delia. This is Delia. That's so interesting. What year was this movie? 85? No, this is definitely like 89. Okay. So after Beetlejuice, that's fun. Was Beetlejuice 88? Beetlejuice is 88. Yeah. Might right, even be 87. Makes- Wow. I love Beetlejuice. I do too. Also, Alice's dad's different in this one. The last one, he was like a raging drunk and a yeah. raging asshole. He was a lot more kinder in this one. I mean, I get it. Maybe like, he's like gotten sober. Maybe I think he's that like, oh, it, this, I've got to dissolve my kids left. She's pregnant. I gotta be a man. <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, he definitely said that like Alice at the asked him if she if he was disappointed in her for getting pregnant. And she he was like, no. Um, he was like, I just I'm looking forward to hearing a little boy play in the house again, you know, in reference to her Aww. brother who died the yeah. movie before. That's tough. That's tough, man. Your teen daughter, your son got murdered, or I guess he didn't think he got murdered. Now your Still teen daughter's died. pregnant. Yeah. I cannot imagine if I had come home as a senior in high school and told my mom I was pregnant. Like that just would have been an absolute no. Really? Oh yeah. Sorry, I feel, girl. I feel like if I told my mom I was pregnant as a senior, she would be like, she would have questions. No, <laughs> Your mom is loving and supportive. <laughs> <laughs> not that my mom isn't. She's just loving it in a different way. <laughs> in a way that would not welcome a child. I beg to differ. I'm sure this is what would happen. This is what would happen. Sue would sigh, <sighs> put her head down. She'd be like, God damn it, Patricia. When are you due? And then she'd be yeah, supportive probably. after all that. Yeah, I probably. think so. I don't know. I don't know. There would be a lot of, I told you so. She's an Aries. I told so. you. I told you you were going to get knocked up. Hey, Patricia, do you remember when you ruined your life by having a child? Well, you forgot to take the chicken out. Sidebar <laughs> <laughs> to our listeners who had children at that age. We are not saying that about you. No, I know not lots at all. Of have a kid whenever the fuck you want to have a kid. We are talking about Patricia's mother. Yeah. Who very much would have supported and loved this baby, hypothetically, that Patricia had while she was a senior in high school. Yes. Who, at this point, I would be like Lorelai Gilmoreing it. Like, the age today, the kid would be like a grown-up. Dude, I've been having this crisis with my age. Like, seriously, um, just thinking about, like, I was like, holy shit, I could have a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could have a much older kid, too. Like, I mean, I'm, what, damn near 40? But I'm not Same. the idea of having like a, a fully functioning adult who would have been in college or something like that, that I would have had been financially responsible for. Wild. No. Thank God I'm gay. Thank no. God I'm gay. I would have a Gen Zer. My kid would be Gen Z. Whoa, no, bro. I can't Born. do it. Born in 2002. Just imagine that. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. Couldn't do it. They would be able to See? drink right now, Patricia. Your kid would be able to drink That's right so now. That's so weird. That's so weird. They would have to come pick you up at a bar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would definitely make them give me rides places. Oh, yeah. That's like the perk of having kids when they're adults. <laughs> don't drive me. That's so funny. That is so funny to think that you... Wolf, man. Did we know anybody? Like right? Kids? I knew all people? kinds of people with kids. I did too, but... There were, uh, like, my uh, graduating class... 
there were more people who had children than people who didn't have children. That's not true. That is, I, Bro, I swear, like one out of every five students had a kid in my graduating class. I just don't see the math of that, Patricia. How many, you're making that up. Get your yearbook out. I never bought a yearbook. You're adorable. Um, (laughs) No, there were a lot of kids. I'm sure my numbers are wrong, but there were a lot of kids. Like we used to joke that they should have had daycare at our school because so many people had kids. I think that's fine. We really should have daycare at school. I agree. If you expect the student to come to school, you should provide some sort of child care. Our school was shitty. They, I don't think they allowed pregnant people there. I don't want to oh, say they we didn't got, allow, but you know what we I mean. We got a lot of cast-offs from your school, actually. A lot, really? a lot. A lot, a lot, yeah. Who like got kicked out of for fighting. Because okay. your okay. school had a really strong rule about that. and Or that we're like, having families, or drugs. We got a lot of, yeah. Man, it's funny, because I did not <laughs> pay attention to high school at all. <laughs> Like, if I was one, right. in one of these horror movies, like, I would not even be associated with the characters because I didn't hang out with people in high school. I didn't know friends, or I didn't have friends there. I had maybe four friends that I talked to in high school. Yeah. And yeah. it's because I needed homework help. Yeah. And you had a lot of friends who just didn't go to your school. That part. That yeah. part. Like, there were people I hung out with, like, obviously. Of course, um, yeah. Especially at lunch. But overwhelmingly, no, I was not, like, hanging out with folks. But I'll tell you this. If I, the group that I hypothetically hung out with in high school and one of them was like, dude, there's a serial killer, a pedophile in my dreams, killing, killing my friends. I'd be like, okay, this is a good time for you and I to part ways. Don't, <laughs> don't think Have of you me. spoken to an adult about this problem? Because this <laughs> sounds like an adult, like maybe it's time to loop in Miss Puccetti, the guidance counselor. Like, let's bring her in. <laughs> she She's going to be able to weigh in on this. <laughs> But even then, I mean, we saw like with Kristen's terrible mom, like sometimes they don't listen to you. Shit. Yeah, that's true. Oh, but our friends, we have a friend who went to camp with us and his mom was like the district school counselor. So I would alert, I would loop her in right away. I was like, all right, I need you to sit down, Judy. Have a seat. Judy, thanks so much for coming. You're beautiful today. This is the situation. (laughs) It's bad. It's really bad. She's not sleeping. It's really bad. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine Judy just I was about to say her last name? Could you imagine Judy be like, wow, okay, so serial killer killing your friends in their sleep? All right. Um He would be so sweet. She'd be like, let's I'm gonna make you some pancakes. Let's talk this out. <laughs> she would be great. I'd be into that. I mean, not the murder and losing friend part, no, but hate the pancakes. The murder. Yeah. Pancakes with Judy? Yes, please. Dude, let me tell you, that is scary though. These poor teenagers. Like, why are are Jason and Freddie going after teenagers? They have it tough as it is. This is me screaming at every single anime. I'm like, why are they all 14 years old? Can, like, just like an adult have to deal with this trauma? Why is it always the (laughs) 16-year-old who's, like, a broken home, has no adult? Why are they getting the terrible pedophile nightmare killer? Dude, if I... There are several adults who I know... That I would love to introduce to Freddie as a victim. Just throwing it out there. Just saying, I got a list. Dude, I'm looking at the <laughs> soundtrack to Nightmare on Elm Street, The Dream Child, and there are some very funny people on here. Um, cool Modi, Houdini, Samantha oh, yeah. Fox. Samantha um, Fox? Yeah, man. 
the lead singer of Iron Maiden, Bruce okay. Dickinson. He, his song is called Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. I don't like it. I don't like it. These are some weird fucking like what? Why did why is this the soundtrack to Freddy? <laughs> Freddy's had some really interesting soundtracks though. I think there was like the one, was that Dream Warriors that had like the Dokken? Um mm-hmm. we had talked about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The hair metal. The Freddy always had good yeah, no, the soundtracks were always really dynamic. Both of these franchises use sound amazingly. Like the it's of course very iconic but like both movies use sound really well horror movies good horror movies usually do yeah i think music plays a large part that's one of the things i do like about the freddy krueger the nightmare on elm street series as well as the um friday 13th series there's some good music in that especially in like for friday 13th i think it is it the second one like the introduction music i don't know it's one of them is that our last one? Yeah, we were because neither of us watched or we, we forgot to watch two and five. But um, and I said I wasn't going to do. All right. So I said I wasn't going to talk about any of the Freddy or Jason movies made in the 90s. But I feel like we should do an honorable mention to um, the Freddy Krueger Final Nightmare. Um, the very. Not good Freddy movie, in my opinion. But there is a cameo that Patricia texted me about as soon as she saw that I forgot to mention to her. And I laughed. Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold are in that movie and play like a For very like minor eight role. seconds. Yeah. I want to know how that came about, man. Like, I get it. Roseanne was probably a huge star at the time. So let's put Roseanne in this. But it's just such a strange role for Roseanne to be in. It's so odd. And this is like... I thought maybe they were going to use her as like an Ethel-esque character, like was going to be there the whole movie. It was going to be ridiculous, but she legit wasn't. This was the same time she made She-Devil. So maybe she was just like on the lot and she was like, oh my God, it's a Freddy movie. I want to be in it. And they just let her in it. I mean, she had to have, like that had to have been what happened, right? She isn't even, or or actually she was credited as Mrs. Tom Arnold in there, (laughs) which is wild, very wild. God bless anybody who wanted to be Mrs. Tom Arnold. Oh, dude. <laughs> but hey, that was Rose a choice. Was, she was into it. Yeah, she was. The Goo Goo Dolls did a bunch of music for that movie. Like several the Goo songs. Goo Dolls? Yeah, for Final Nightmare. That's weird. I- Iggy Pop did too, but Goo Goo Dolls has one, two, three. Three songs on this 10 song um, soundtrack. So, yeah. Final Nightmare is stupid because it tries to like set up Freddy Krueger lore that didn't exist before. Like, it's very revisionist. They give Freddy this like whole family background, which is wild. Mama, like, yeah, it was so upsetting. We don't need to humanize him. He's awful. We don't need to. We don't need those. No. On these demons who contributed to Freddy's like assholery and nightmares we don't need to know that no, it's actually more fun that, that we don't know why right don't humanize him he's a boogeyman he's a monster there's nothing to humanize it's weird the weird choice what's really interesting is the budget for this movie according to wikipedia is nine to eleven million dollars okay they don't know why or excuse me i don't know why but they don't have a definitive answer why not go with 10 million <laughs> 
Just it's in between hit that right in the middle. Just hit that right in the middle. You know, Jeez, like, Wikipedia. I don't know. That's just me. I like to make things simple. So then does this mean all we have to talk about now is Freddy versus Jason? Because we did say we were going to talk about it. Oh, gosh, yes. We can talk about <laughs> Freddy versus Jason, you weirdo. You love this movie. Um... <laughs> Freddy versus Jason is the first Freddy or Jason movie I ever saw. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. I saw it at Stony Brook Theaters <laughs> <laughs> with my friend Nikki. We snuck in because it was rated R. Uh, you were <laughs> out of high school when that movie came out, by the way, bro. No, that can't Freddy be Vers- right. Freddy vs. Jason came out in like 2003. Oh, so I, I just know. got out of high school. I know because Kelly Rowland's hair. <laughs> I forgot you do tell time based on Kelly Rowland's hair. Yeah. This is like the post Nelly Dilemma age when she had like the red streaks in her hair. And yeah, Kelly Rowland calls somebody a faggot in this movie. Well, not somebody. She calls yeah. Freddie. So I feel like that's okay. But still, definitely drop the F on that. Inappropriate. Kelly Rowland is supposed to be making a Donna Summer biopic. And I'm like chomping at the bit for it. I hope it comes out. I think it's the legs of the strike. But I want to see it. She looks a lot like her. I could see it. Yeah, and she can sing her fucking ass off just like Donna Summer. Sidebar, let me ask you this. Sure. I've I've always called it a biopic, but I've heard people call it a biopic. Which one is it? Listeners. It's biopic for sure. Like picture. That's weird to me. I've always heard it or said it as biopic because I just think I don't know. I get it. You're right. But I just feel like biopic. I hear, you. I hear you. That's fair enough. If I heard you say that, I wouldn't like stop the conversation to correct you. So I think like other people also call it that. So I don't think you're alone. I just feel like, I don't know. Biopic. It's, it's fine. It's fine. That's what the kids are calling it. That's what I'm going to call it. As well. <laughs> I like it because it means Kelly will win an Oscar. Because all you have to do to win an Oscar is be in a biopic. Especially about a singer. Yep. So come through Cal. Um, speaking of movies that will get Oscars, did you see the trailer for The Color Purple, the musical? Duh. <laughs> did it make me cry? Duh. Can I literally not wait to see it? Duh. Christian's going to be there Christmas morning waiting for her to Literally. And I'll be, my family could not be less interested in that. I'll be all by myself. It's fine. <laughs> It'll be beautiful. I can't Just wait. Just get cozy in the theater. Um, I saw Fantasia do it on Broadway. It was one of the most amazing moments of my life. I'm Whoa. very excited for this film. How did I not know this about you? Oh, yeah. I got she. That's like by far the biggest like I saw X in X role. Because I for a period of time, I worked in New York with sporadically. And I would usually go to a show as much as I could. So but most of them I saw like matinees and shit. So I saw understudies mostly. But I did get to see Fantasia do it. And I got to see Cordon Blue do In the Heights. He was also great. Corbin Blue of high school musical fame. <laughs> can, can you say his name again? Corbin Blue. Oh, I thought you said Cordon Blue, uh, like yeah. with a D. And I was like, please keep saying this. That would be funny. <laughs> like the school. Um, like the school. Like the, the sandwich? Isn't that a sandwich? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I think chicken Cordon Blue, yeah. There you go. That's not a sandwich. I think it's like I don't like know what dish. Cordon Bleu is. Yeah, I have no idea. I thought the it's Cordon like chicken Bleu... a la king. I have no idea what that is either. 
So if you're going to pick one brain, you're going to pick Jason or Freddie, who are you going to pick to fight? You have to pick one of them. Oh, bro, I have to pick one of them to fight? You have to, yeah. Like, to survive uh, against. Freddie. Yeah. I, like, Freddie, I'm bigger than Freddie. Like, height and weight-wise, I feel like I can take it's on Freddie. It's true. I'm not taking on Jason. Like, there's just literally no way I'm winning that fight. We saw what I... Julius did. Yeah. Um, I'm going with Jason because Tina stopped Jason by locking him in the lake with a weight and having him be trapped underwater. So that makes me think all you have to do with Jason is trap him. So if you just like get him in some sort of container that he can't get out of, the he's he is no longer a threat. Versus Freddie, I love to sleep. Don't mess with my sleep, man. That would really hurt my feelings. Patricia, I am worried that you think that you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried you think you have telekinesis because that's how Tina did it. I just think with a team of my peers, we could finesse some sort of containment. Like, what about those like train containers? What if we just put him in one of those, solder it locked closed? That's it. End of Jason. Yeah. For now. A team of your peers does not include me. (laughs) Leave me out of it. However, I will pull you into my dreams to help me fight Freddy. I don't know what that is about, but I'm going to do that. hurt that you would a pull me into your dream to fight and not help me fight jason that's (laughs) hurtful all right i'll help you fight jason but we saw what happened to kelly Rowland, and i feel like she and i have a very similar life trajectory and i don't want that to happen to me but (laughs) we're not fighting them at the same time kelly didn't have a chance because they are both fighting with the one or the other that's true okay i think we can take jason then i feel like with enough guns and maybe a grenade or two, I can fuck up with Jason. Like, if we follow um, the Hulk, so my favorite Hulk comic is called, um, oh, shit, no, I think it's just called Hulk versus Wolverine, and it's where they just fight, and ultimately, Wolverine gets, like, torn limb from limb, and that's all you gotta do. You just gotta, like, you know, <laughs> separate things. <laughs> Wait, so Wolverine got torn limb for limb by the Hulk? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say the Hulk got turned. No, no, no. Because the argument is that hypothetically the Hulk is the strongest Marvel character. And so if you put him against the other strongest Marvel Marvel character, Wolverine, who can't be killed allegedly, that's a good fight. There's also another great comic called Deadpool versus Marvel, where Deadpool kills the entire Marvel superhero force and the way he kills wolverine is he gets shrunk down by dr uh fantastic the fantastic four doctor he uses that technology to shrink down and then he gets inside wolverine's body and then he resizes so he like explodes logan from the inside it's amazing that's genius that's a great way yeah, to go. deadpool versus marvel is low-key a fantastic fantastic comic book series and if i was given the reins to make a movie that's the movie i would make it would be great. I like this about you, Patricia. We're going to get you to direct a Marvel movie. Fantastic. I don't know. I, I really appreciate your support on this because I think it's going to be an uphill battle. I don't think people are going to like it. Really? But I, I think, think I could get it. Ryan Reynolds on board. I think Ryan Reynolds would be into it. Can I have a part in the movie? Yeah, absolutely. Duh. You're going to have a makeout scene with Ryan Reynolds. Thank you. I If it's literally just for a moment and it's even played as a gag, I'm into it. Yeah, don't worry, babe. Totally got your back on this. Who's he married to? Gossip Girl? Blake Lively. 
Ah, uh, of the lively of the livelies. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> of the California livelies. I love them. Cinematic Dynasty, the livelies. I may have to make out with his brother-in-law, Eric. I'm sorry. Listen, it can just be a puddle. We can just all get in a pile. Everybody be cool. Thank you all for tuning in. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or embarrassing confessions, please send us an email at thewaybackrecap at gmail.com. That's thewaybackrecap at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at thewaybackrecappod. If you'd like to support the show or listen to bonus content, exclusive episodes, visit our Patreon page. Our original cover art is by Laura Strobish. Uh, remember, wherever you listen to podcasts, follow or subscribe to the Wayback Recap. If you enjoy yourself, please rate and review the show, but if that's too much... We totally get it. Tell a friend. Preferably a responsible friend who will rate and review the show. And join us next time. I'm Brandon. And I'm Patricia. And on behalf of the Wayback Recap, take, take care, care of each, each other, other y'all. y'all.